Hello, I'm Rich Terring. I never listen to Nerdology <laughs> because I am way too cool. But carry on listening, nerds. This is Mark, and welcome to this Christmas edition of Nerdology. I know, it's so festive, isn't it? It's so festive. <laughs> That's Peter, by the way. Hello, Peter. Hello, Mark. I'm back from the other week. You might remember me. If I'd known I was going to come back, I would have, we should have done a cliffhanger ending last time. We to should get people have. To this one. Yeah. We should have had a really had exciting... hanging from a, an umbrella off the side of a cliff. And the sound of a claw coming towards me. Yeah. We could have done that, couldn't yeah, we? We could have done we that. We could have done that, but we didn't. You what could be more Christmassy that. than that? It might have a bauble on the end of it. Maybe. 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 The claw, that is. <laughs> right. Um, so, Christmas. Yeah, when Mark said to me he was going to do a Christmas special, he asked me, and I was like, really? Um, Christmas? I'm I'm not particularly Christmassy as a person. Yeah, I'm good-humoured, I like to think. I, I, I have a good perception of the world. But Christmas, when he asked me, that really made me think, you know, what on earth can I say about Christmas? I don't really... And then I, but then I got to thinking why I don't, and that's why I'm here, to destroy Christmas for you, dear listener. Bar humbug. Bar humbug indeed, but with reason, and with good reason, I like to think, because Doctor Who now, it's gone all Christmassy. Once a year now we get Christmas episodes, which we never used to have as a fanboy, as a nerd. Mm. You know, we could ignore, couldn't we? We could ignore Christmas. It was something that other people did. But now Doctor Who has to, <laughs> has to, has to have a Christmas episode, and now we have to start acknowledging the fact that there are there is Christmas television that's a little mm-hmm. bit twee, a little bit nice. You know, we can't just have gothic gloom all the time. It's got to be something a bit frumpy and frivolous. You're, you're you pardon me for saying this. You do. Mm. You're coming across a bit Grinchy. Am I? Yeah, a little really? bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's the green paint on the face. Well, there is there? that. There yeah. is that. <laughs> Go the whole hog. <laughs> Uh, but no, this is the thing. I, I do like Christmas to a point. Mm. And what I hope to talk about, to you, to the listener, to the world, is about, is about you know, I'm an easygoing man, but I'm not a Christmas Nazi. I, <laughs> I, I, like, I like elements of Christmas, but what I don't exactly like... What exactly is a Christmas Nazi? Is it, is it like a stormtrooper? You storm will enjoy or... Christmas and you will wear that tinsel, you prick. <laughs> That's a Christmas Nazi. Okay. okay. Um, I'm glad we're clear on that. Yeah, it's a sort of, the thing about Christmas, right, is that Christmas is about uh, motifs. It's about certain things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's about... that. For me, there's two sides of Christmas. There's the niceness. There's the being in the snug mm-hmm. with your fire, your log fire. Yeah, we've got yeah. the log fire going in the back. We have, haven't we? Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? squint, you can just make it out. <laughs> um, he hasn't got one, really. <laughs> um, he's, so, so, yes, it's, it, for me, there, there are two sides of Christmas. There's the nice, people being nice to each other in the mm-hmm. warm... Having time off work, being with family, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. I like that. Not if you work in retail. Not if you work in retail. But but, mm. but I'm not talking, talking, about, talking about you, Mark. <laughs> I'm talking about the hypothetical person who isn't you. There is a chance that there's someone listening who does work in retail. So Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair enough. But, but what I'm talking about is, is, is that there is that side, which is great. Yes. But then there's this other side, which is full of, which is full of things that... We're over familiar with. Mm. I think it's to do with you know the Santa Claus, the bauble, the de- the Christmas tree, the decorations, the Christmas lights, the, the snow, the robins, the scarves. Oh, I the love snowman. a nice robin. I bet you do. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> um, stop throwing me off my <laughs> spiel. Um, 
But yeah, there's two sides to Christmas, and it's a bit like anything. There's a very commercialised, very sort of over-familiar, you see it in adverts all the time, everyone yeah. talks about the Christmas cards, mm -hmm. and the older you get, I think the more desensitised you get to it. When I was a kid, maybe seeing a Robin might go, oh, it's a bit Christmassy. Mm. As an adult, I'm now thinking, oh, it's a bit Christmassy. Does it probably not help that we start getting TV ads in sort of... October for Christmas. Yeah, um, although that doesn't annoy me so much as, as I don't know. It's just it's just the way it's done, and this is mm. why Doctor Who specials. He says, he says dragging, dragging, dragging Doctor again. Who yeah. back into this. Um, the, the the problem I have with the Doctor Who Christmas specials is that they rely a lot on the familiarities, the cliches of Christmas. So mm. you get the snow, you get the Dickensian stuff, which has happened in the last few years. Yeah. You get the Christmas trees, you get the snowmen, you get the mm -hmm. Father Christmases, you mm -hmm. get the carol singing, you get all that tweeness, which, yeah. which for me is just a little bit been there, done that. I've seen Home Alone. I've, <laughs> I've seen a lot of these films. And Doctor Who is trying to do that now. So it, it, it's, we're forced to accept, as I said before, that, that Christmas has these motives and ways of doing things. And I just find them too distracting because it, it's a bit like... You know when people talk about um, the Robert Ho the, the, the sort of Robert Holmes shopping list for two doctors, right? He says dragging the Christmassy two doctors into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, um, nothing says Christmas more to me than than Santarans in Spain. In Spain, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a bit like that. Although I think it's a bit of a myth to sort of say that the shopping list is a bad idea because all stories have a shopping list. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just two doctors. I mean, every sort of production meeting, they all have a list of things they want to achieve with a certain story. Yeah. So the shopping list isn't just about, it just isn't just a two doctors thing. That I, and I think two doctors could have been well written with the Sontarans in Spain and mm -hmm. you know Patrick Troughton. That I would have loved a shopping list like. That. If someone came up to me and said, "Write a story to do with these elements," yeah, I would have gone, "Great, thank you," and I'd have run off like a little boy and written it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's a problem in itself. But with the Christmas ones, there is a shopping list which they have to do every year, yeah. which is, which they have to have snow, they have to have all the motifs, they have to have a feel-good factor as well. So you're saying it's getting a bit predictable? It, to be honest, yes, that's what it does. It's a bit like the unit cliche of you've got to have Benton and uh, Yates and all these kind of things. So people, over time, they become so familiar that, that they become a little bit, you know, a little bit, mm, yeah, do something different, maybe. Yeah. And I think Christmas is like that. And I think, and also as well, it's the idea that at Christmas time, everybody wants Christmas everywhere. Mm -hmm. The fact is, when I was growing up, and we got the Christmas TV listings magazines, yeah. where back in the day, you got the Radio Times and you got the TV you Times, did, so yeah. you can see what was on ITV, Those because we never watched ITV because we were a BBC family. Um, exactly, we were pretty much the same. Exactly. And you, and you, and, but, but you look through these listings magazines predominantly for the films, yeah. like Star Wars and Indiana mm -hmm. Jones and, and all these other films, and they're not very Christmassy at all as films. No. Well, that's another thing. It's, there's things like... Um, there seems to be a proliferation of war films on at Christmas. You get stuff like The Great Escape. Great and, Escape, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, great films. Great films. Not particularly Christmassy. Not particularly but. Christmassy, but it's nice to have things that aren't Christmassy when all around you is Christmassy. Yeah. When you've got... Yeah, it's when you've got decorations in your home and you've got decorations everywhere and mm. everyone's already nice and they're talking about Christmas dinner and the smell of sprouts is filling your face. Mmm. Mmm, sprouts. <laughs> Thanks for those, Mark, by the way. Last little bowl of sprouts. <laughs> not really. I'm just lying. Um... If that's someone Christmas here, you wouldn't. Be we are there. actually recording this in November. We're, we're, so. Yeah, and he's got a packet of bourbons, and that's Christmas here. Yeah. I think. I think him and his missus are going to have a very low key Christmas. That's <laughs> fine. 
that's fine. But um, but yeah, I think I think with um, with, with with Christmas television, yeah. I don't necessarily want Christmas all the time, mm. especially in things like drama and films. I don't really expect there to be sort of just purely Christmas films, you know. And and it's nice to have things like Indiana Jones of an evening. You know, when yeah. they used to do their premieres on BBC One, mm. used to get your big blockbusters. Yeah. They weren't Christmassy films. No. And and I think the problem with Doctor Who on Christmas is that not is that not only do they have to sort of feature all the sort of cliches of Christmas, yeah. but they have to then they, they sort of then aim it at a kind of feel good market. So then you get a sort of story which which has a certain niceness about it. It's watered down. It's perhaps not as gritty or as. I mean, one of the arguments for having this sort of Christmas special is that. Well, on Christmas Day, you know, everyone's bloated with roast dinner. No one wants to watch anything where you have to use your brain, mm. you know. And it's, and for me, that's a bit like aiming things for kids. It's like, I want something that I can enjoy, yeah. not just outside of one time of the year. Mm. It, for a hypothetical situation where people are so bloated they can't pay attention to what they're watching on television. I mean, if you look at the, the more recent uh, Christmas specials, mm. um, I quite liked the... Um, Dickens adaptation mm. that they did mm. I thought that was pretty good but then again you're working with a pretty decent source material and you're just kind of giving it a bit of a sci-fi twist exactly Doctor Who's always done that I mean to be fair like Brain of Morbius being the yeah. Frankenstein thing yeah. so to do a Dickens is fair enough but I yeah. think the next year then they then do the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe <sighs> oh, yeah, parody that was bad that was bad it was over long and mm. part of the reason why it didn't work is because we're too familiar with the source material because yeah. it's such an obvious thing to do I mean with the Frankenstein thing the Brain of Morbius was different enough, I think. Mm. And it was involved... There were other things to watch in it, really. Yeah. Whereas I think with the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe thing, which yeah. had an awful title. What was it? It was, what was yeah, it? The, the, widow. Widow, the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe. Yeah, it's a bit clunky. It's a bit. Mm. It, it's too desperately you now trying to say, yeah. look at me, this is Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to do a Christmas one and it's going to be a bit like other things you've seen at Christmas. And it was all a bit of nothing, really, wasn't it, at the end of it? Yeah, and, and, and the emotional punch. I thought, I, to be fair, I did sort of have an emotional response to that. Hmm. But in the run-up to that emotional response, it was going through the numbers, painting by numbers. It was yeah. having kids walk through a magical thing, a Narnia thing. Yeah. And a lot, of them, a lot of the episode time was taking up with trying to convey that sense of wow yeah but because we've seen this sort of thing before some nice visual touches and yeah the big tree men i mean when it got into that side of thing i think it improved but yeah. up until then you have got the sort of kids walking around the woodland mm. and it's all a bit we know what, what it's trying to do here yeah so i couldn't get as involved because i knew that it was it, I don't, it was just it was trading off things other things have done better mm. and i think when you use source material for whatever you do whether it's a christmas thing or frankenstein mm -hmm. or you know if doctor who wanted to do i don't know uh, Vicar of Dibley special parody thing <laughs> you know whatever it tries to do it's got to sort of take it but just do something a bit special with it a bit, yeah. a bit good um, it's got to surprise you and mm. unfortunately the line the witch in the wardrobe thing didn't really have enough there to make me go this is Doctor Who doing its own unique twist on it because mm. it was already in Doctor Who territory with the idea of the t of the wardrobe with the yeah. sort of other world behind it, mm. it? so for me the, the the Christmas special, it, it's almost like, it's it's it, it's kind of plays down. It, it sort of speaks down to you as if to say, this is you know we're not going to make you think. Perhaps we're going to trade off 
these obvious things. We're not going to try too hard because, hey, you might not, you know, you might not be able to think on Christmas yeah. Day because you'll be a zombie filled up with food. <laughs> and I find that a bit patronising. I yeah. find that a bit, you know, I'd like something I could watch six months later and think, you know, actually, that's a good story in its own yeah, right. Yeah, it stands up in its own right. Yeah. And that's why of all the Christmas specials that Doctor Who have done, we've done quite a few now, mm. haven't we? Yeah. Um, I, I, the only two that I really sort of liked were The Christmas Invasion, mm-hmm. which I liked because as a sort of invasion of Earth story, before they became yeah every other episode, Yeah. I thought that was really well handled. Mm-hmm. I liked The, uh, the Sycorax yeah. and um, the way that they were done. It felt really profound and mm. good. And it was just, that was good. But my favourite was was The Next Doctor. Yeah. Because I love the David Morrissey thing. I love yeah. the idea of... Is this man a time lord? Um, I love the Cybermen being in it. Um, it w- but it had the Christmas motifs without, but without be- it being twee and it yeah. wasn't Christmassy. It, yeah. it wasn't like everybody at the end coming together as a family. Like you know, it wasn't. It wasn't trying to be a bit twee, a bit sort of gay in the old-fashioned sense of the word. A mm. bit sort of you know happy, ha- happy slappy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I like the next Doctor, mm-hmm. but uh, all the other ones seem to be a bit more moronic, and I use that term with absolute. <laughs> Moronic, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, it. I'm gonna say moronic. Yeah, three times on. now. I'm gonna, yeah, three times. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I think of the Runaway Bride, I just think there were elements of that that were so sort of basic and mm. so sort of uninvolving, and we've been there before with it. That apart from the chase sequence of the TARDIS on the motorway, which hadn't mm. been done before, mm. everything else really kind of had been, and it was playing down. It wasn't really doing anything. It was just a bit yeah. sort of, as I say. By numbers. I remember not really taking to Donna in that story, um, mm. and there was quite a hullabaloo when she was announced as the the new companion. Not that much yeah. after that, um, but I wanted to give her a fair crack of the whip. And to be fair, I think she man. is. <laughs> she, in my book, is probably the best modern series companion since it's come back. I've got to say, my opinion of of, uh, of Catherine Tate being in it. Mm. At the time, I was a bit sort of mixed feelings because mm. I think she is genuinely funny, and it's nice to see a more mature actress rather than a, a, a tomboy. You know, yeah. kind of. It was, it was nice to see someone. You know, she is genuinely a great person. I think, but actually, on reflection, I think that and this is something I hadn't actually thought about until we just talked about it mm. in the last ten seconds. So, bit, bit of an exclusive here, folks. <laughs> um, actually, the reason why I had misgivings about Catherine Tate, with hindsight, was that because the tone of the series can almost be like a comedy with bits of drama. Mm. I was worried that it would it would then become a lot more jokey. Yeah. Because Doctor Who isn't really... The new series does have a tone about it, which isn't yeah. like the old series. Mm. It's a lot more high-spirited. It's, it's a lot more goofy. It's yeah. a lot more for the kids, if you like. Again, mm-hmm. aiming down a bit in a patronising way that the new series, I think, can do. You can quote me on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was worried that the Catherine Tate thing might make it more of a comedy yeah. than I would have liked... Uh, the, uh, the, uh, really for me it should be a drama first with comedy moments in it rather than something where it's yeah. a bit like hearted with bits of drama thrown in just to appease the people who quite often them. you can get someone who's known as a, a comic actor or a mm. comedian and if they get the chance to do something like this it is their opportunity to yeah. go against type and they do tend to want to play it more straight I mean John Pertwee John, is a classic say, example yeah. of that Yeah. if you watch something like The Demons where he does that bit where he goes into the pub mm. and has that scene where he just tells everyone to, to shut up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like some complete giant arse um, you've got to say you know when you listen to the Navy Lark, mm. it's a completely different. You know, yeah. he's doing his funny voices. Mm. It's just yeah, and I think I think it's great to. But I was worried with the new when Catherine Tate was announced. Mm. I thought, 
what with the fact that things like the, the tone, especially of season series two, mm. where it was a little bit more confident, a little bit more cocksure, if I think is yeah. the word. I was worried that Catherine Tate would have that, you know, what's her catchphrase? Am I bothered? It would have that sort of, um, yeah. yeah, look at me, yeah. head jerk, and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. Um, but actually, I think she's, it wasn't actually against her, it was about, I, was, I had misgivings about the rest yeah. of the show. And because um, for me, I think when you introduce things, you are worried it might take things a certain way. It's like the Christmas thing. Mm. When, you know, obviously having a Christmas special every year, you are worried that they're going to sort of do it, not just, you know, nice but over nice so it becomes a bit cringy and a mm-hmm. bit sort of you know group hug group hug <laughs> and, and and that's the problem I have with the Christmas special is that there's a fine line between making something Christmassy and making something a bit rich in terms of the old sickness mm. yeah, the gag yeah. factor I suppose like Basically. where it all gets a bit you know everyone's a bit nice and the, the endings are very jolly and they all pull a cracker at the end and go oh look it's Christmas day and everyone looks up at the stars and goes you know what you're right <laughs> um, so yeah that's what I have about Christmas really that's not to say that all Christmas specials are bad no I, I, I it depends on the content I mean I, I, I love sort of I mean Rusty Davis years ago when, 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 when he did interviews about when we had the first Christmas specials mm. His thing was, oh, I love Christmas specials, he would say in his Welsh voice. Which I almost hinted at that. I was going to say, I didn't realise he came from Wolverhampton. came from Wolverhampton, yes. Another exclusive. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I can remember reading an interview or seeing an interview with him where he said that he loved Christmas specials. As a person, as an individual, Mm -hmm. he, he, he and his family would... Or presumably he would would just lap them up. He yeah. loved the Christmas special. He thought it was they were always very funny or very lovely and without seemingly without exception. Yeah. But I can remember when I was growing up that the Christmas special was always something you look forward to. But it's a bit like a Christmas. Uh, it's, 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 no, no, it's a bit like a, um, a children in need thing where right. you go into it thinking I'll watch it, but it's always a bit disappointing mm. because your expectations are raised that you think oh this will be where they pull the stops out, and you come away thinking. Well, you know, it was perhaps wasn't as good as all that because because they kind of have this aura of specialness about them. I think there's a nostalgia factor. If you look back, I mean, back when I was a kid, mm. certain things you'd look forward to. So you'd see like the the Christmas idents coming up on BBC, yeah. and that would be quite cool. That would yeah. kind of get you a bit excited. Um, I'd probably take your point a little bit on the on the Christmas specials. Things like you know, UK staples would be things like. Morecambe and Wise and the two Ronnies, yeah. they would generally be pretty decent. They'd be pretty. I'd go, I'd go with that and Dad's Army and a few mm. other shows. Yeah. But but I think they were done at a time when perhaps over time Christmas has become more marketed by the BBC. So it's like a time when they when they've when they form part of the schedules in a massive way. There's a lot more build up, a lot more press attention, you know. And mm. and I think that there's now a, a pressure on these things to be a certain type of thing. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I take your point. Certainly, there are Christmas specials. There are Christmas films. I mm. like Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. is a work of genius. Now that is a staple in our household. Yeah. Every Christmas Eve, without fail, we watch that film. It's fantastic. Mm. It's funny. It's it's, it's it's musical in just the right way. It, it's it's got the Muppets in it. It's perfect. It's pitch perfect. But then, but then, I can't imagine you as your family thinking, "Oh, we're going to pull out the, the my family Christmas special from three years ago." No. No. And this, so there's clearly an element of quality here, <laughs> Of course, there? of course. There's quality. Um, yeah. And I think, I think with Doctor Who, because obviously we absorb as fans, we absorb the entire canon, mm. we have to then absorb the Christmas specials as well. Yeah. Um, so we have to sort of ratify them in terms of quality as what they are. You well, know? they've become a bit standalone, haven't they? They've, they haven't really... 
I'm trying to think of any that have really kind of fitted into any kind of plot arcs or anything like well, that. Well, you've got the the Christmas Invasion with mm. David Tennant's first one. Yeah. I mean, I had misgivings about that as well because mm. I don't... For me, a Christmas special should be a bit standalone. Yeah. So that if it's a bit crap, you could turn around and say, it doesn't It doesn't matter. count, yeah. But because if it's Tennant's first one, mm. you're thinking, in all the listings from years and years, years to come, when people talk about Power of the Daleks being Troughton's first and, mm. and, and, and Castrovalo being Davison's first, mm-hmm. and you've got The Christmas Invasion being Tennant's first. And yeah. Christmas Invasion, as a title, as a Christmas special... Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But as as a, a doctor's first story, first story yeah. yeah. It's got to be good as a first story yeah. and as a story in its own right because mm. it's quite a big thing. And if you have something that's a bit fluffy, luckily Christmas Invasion gets away with it. Yeah, it's a great story. But I think if Christmas Invasion was being made now, perhaps it would you know, there's more chance of it messing up. It's mm. not because I think the Christmas Invasion was a novelty, um it was Tenant's first one. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was the one of the first invasion stories of that kind, so it, yeah. it was a sense of oh, this is a bit new. Mm. But then you have to look at Runaway Bride, which came the year after, which was a very similar kind of story. Yeah, even to the point of having the same Santa robots, all those exactly. slightly reimagined. And I think if that had been Tennant's first one, mm. how infuriating would that be that you've got a frivolous piece of rubbish yeah. as, a, as a Doctor's yeah. first, you know, mm-hmm. the first story that can be special in its own way without the Christmas trappings, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't do Celebration. <laughs> um, as you may have gathered as by you now, may dear have gathered. Yeah. but I, I think I don't, I don't mind as I say I love people coming together I like I like it but I, I don't like the enforced motifs of it the, the kind of I'm bored of Santa I'm bored of and I don't think I speak of that I don't think I'm saying that as just purely as an adult because even when I was a kid you know every year when the sort of the Christmas cards come out and it's all the same things you know the jingle mm. bell sound and that didn't turn me on about Christmas. What I liked was the fact that you got time off school, yeah, and uh, you could you could watch television, and there were a few new programs. It was the mm-hmm. nice food. It was people being nice to each other. Yeah. You know, why can't people be nice all the time? Why do we have to do it just at Christmas, <laughs> Mark? I don't understand. Um, so yeah, when you're a you, complex character, really, you're, you're bitter, but you're also an optimist. I, I think I'm bitter in a reasonable way. I don't think I'm just. <laughs> I don't think I'm sagging off things and saying that should all be put in a lead line box and dumped into the centre of Jupiter. You know, I'm not saying we go to the extent of eradicating Christmas, but I I'm think glad you didn't say Uranus. <laughs> oh, I was being so proper and everything. Um, but what I was going to say, um, but yeah, it's a bit like commer- I think I think the motifs of Christmas are a bit like the commercial commercialisation of Christmas, which mm. I think a lot of us do not despise, but I think we do question. Yeah. I don't think we don't mind an element of that, but I think it's when it gets out of hand. Mm. And I think when you have the sort of the festive feeling and all the motifs, all the, all the I said motifs a lot. I'm not going to use it ever again tonight. <laughs> it's starting to sound like George Lucas. I am. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> I just put a gun in my mouth. Now. <laughs> um, so yeah, when um, I, I think it's nice to have a Christmas special that doesn't necessarily trade off the usual things that have become a bit familiar. It's like mm. what we're saying about the Dickens thing. Now Moffat has gone down the Dickens route. Yeah. So now we've got. I mean, the, the trailer for this year, we've now got um, more of an Ebenezer Scrooge thing. Yeah. And we've got we've got snowmen, which we haven't had yet, which mm. was always going to happen. Yeah. Because it's, it's something that hasn't been tapped. I mean, next year, are we going to have Killer Robins? Are we going to have... I ma- hope so. You know, are we going to have... Are we going to have... Are we going to have stop-motion maggots that, that made out of tinsel? Tinsel that comes off trees like maggots. Reindeer with laser noses? Yeah. Yeah. Presents with... That aren't presents. Yeah. <gasps> Where will this end? Mince pies that talk back. Mm. 
you know, where will it end? I mean, every year it's going gonna, it's gonna to become more and more desperate. And I think that's what happened with last year's. Yeah. It was like, try, it was rooting around to try and find the Christmas thing that Doctor Who could plagiarise and build upon, um, you know, to give that festive feel to it. So mm. we picked the line of Witch in the Wardrobe. It just felt a bit flat, really, didn't it? Yeah, because as I said, it wasn't doing anything new with it. It was trading too much off the mag- uh, the sort of the magic, if in inverted yeah. commas, of the original item, mm. of the original source. So it wasn't doing anything that spectacular with it. And I think this year... I mean, there was a line in the trailer that said, um, what was it, the snow's thinking or the snow feeds off your thoughts. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's it kind of sounded obvious when it, that, that, that something like that would happen. So it, that, 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 I mean, it might just be a, a curveball to make mm. us think, oh, it's about the snow and it's not really, because these trailers do tend to do that. But yeah. I'm thinking it probably could Maybe happen because, yeah, because that's the sort of thing that would happen because mm. it's going to be about the snow this year and about, you know, the snowmen. So... And you've got Richard, Richard E. Grant being an Ebenezer-type mm. character. and you quoting, An iconic actor. Iconic actor being used, like Michael Gambon was used, you know, in a kind mm. of clichéd way, you know. Yeah. Um, I said I was going to feed you, but I didn't say to what, <laughs> you know. Ho, 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 they've taken a line of an original piece of dialogue yeah. from a book and they put a little bit of a spin on it, but for me, the source is too obvious. It's, it's an obvious thing to do mm. and it's, it's not being... It should be it should be telling stories. I don't mind there being snow. I don't mind there being like the next Doctor. Yeah, but it's got to have its own. It should stand up on its own. It should stand up on its own, I and mean, you can watch it in August, and it will make you go, "That's a good story." I mean, I know you can't always go by trailers, but mm. I felt quite positive after seeing that. I see. I, I wanted to, but I I couldn't because I'm thinking I hark back to last years and mm. and the fact that the run of the Christmas stories we've had. I mean. I mean, if you think about the other ones we haven't talked about yet, which, um, what was it? What was it coming in? Oh, Voyage of the Damned. Yeah. Which was another one where it took an idea, the Poseidon adventure, your, your typical mm. Irwin Allen disaster thing, and it did basically nothing too special with it. It just... Because I watched it, actually, a few months back, thinking maybe I was too harsh. Yeah. And I watched... I watched the first few minutes and I actually thought maybe I got it wrong because the first few minutes of that are really taut, mm. really interesting. It introduces the characters. I got really, you know, this is actually quite good. Yeah. But the moment, and it's, I don't know if anyone else has spotted this in mm. podcast land, but the moment those meteorites hit, whatever it is, hit, yeah. in, in within the space of 30 seconds, the dialogue, the script, it just really, it becomes, it becomes cliched, it mm. becomes dull, it becomes moronic. The characters just suddenly become, I say in inverted commas, they come alive. Yeah. And all that had been set up previously, I, I just found myself struggling to like it because mm. the moment they hit when they're all in the corridor and they're all staggering around, you know, all the main characters we come to know and love throughout the rest of the story, mm. I'm thinking, oh, there's a definite change in style and approach to how it's written. Yeah. And when it's building up mystery, when it's trying to be a bit engaging, mm-hmm. when they put effort put into the beginning, it works. Yeah. But the moment it slips into its cliche, you're then sort of it, uh, the interest for me wanes. It's like, well, now you've built it up and it's quite interesting. It's like you, you've 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 reverted to this kind of stock way of doing things, mm. and that's what the Poseidon adventure thing did for me. It yeah. was, uh, you know, it, and it wasn't really done that. Well, because a lot of it is CGI, a lot of it is very obvious. I mean, that had angels in that. Yeah. We've done angels now. Yeah. That's another thing. We've done Santa Claus. We've done angels. Mm-hmm. You know, as I say, it's going to be talking tinsel. It's going to be <laughs> carol singers with knives. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I find this insistence on 
filling it with but the usual But somebody things. must like it because, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Voyage of the Damned was the top-rated episode since it's come back. Am I right on that? No, I think The Stolen Earth. The last, yeah, I think that, that could one was well the top be. Rate. But, I mean, this it's certainly the, up and around the, sort of the double the sec- figures of millions. It was the second, yeah, it was the yeah. second most watched, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's, but I think it's, I watched it. We all watched it. That's the yeah. problem. Just because something is watched. I mean, mm. I mean, Kylie Minogue was in it. Which even now I think Kylie Minogue was in Doctor Who, and yeah. that's fantastic. Mm. You know, but I wish, I wish her character had been a bit more interesting. Again, yeah. she became this kind of um, simple, straightforward, un- unmemorable, generic sort of companion. Really, isn't it? Yeah, and she and she didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, they even sort of aged her a bit and made her. Some might say more refined and more intellectual, but I found her dull. Um, mm. I would have liked if she'd had a bit more life to her, a bit yeah. of an angle to her. If they'd sort of made her... Given, given a bit more her, feisty. Or just a character character trait. Because when, when you have these characters that are introduced as one-offs, mm. now, like, if, for instance, if someone said to me, write a Doctor Who and it's going to have Kylie Minogue in it, mm-hmm. I, I think to myself, what can I do with Kylie Minogue that no one would dare do with Kylie Minogue? I don't mean that. I mean kind of... <laughs> you know, I, I would do something where I would make her... I'd make her play against type. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't try and sort of play, play to a kind of Downton Abbey sort mm. of pretension about the character. Mm. I wouldn't put her in a maid's outfit and have her earnest but nice yeah. and sort of a semi-companion. Mm. I'd think, well, why not try and do something a bit more... I can't believe Kylie Minogue just said that. Yeah. Or did that. I can't believe she, she kind of... And I would have done that. Mm. I would have really liked to have done something special. But I come away from the Christmas special thinking, what did... What did she do there? You know, how was it special? Mm. I mean, it was great to have her in it, and it was great to see Jeffrey Palmer back. And yeah. um, you know, I actually liked it when what's his face George Costigan came along at the end as Max Capricorn. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like him. But that's when so I woke up. I woke up at that point. I was like, ooh, because it was a man, a gobby man with mm. weird teeth in a in a bubble car. I like the actor. I forget his name now, um, which is really annoying. Who uh, plays Mr. Copper? Oh, uh, Clive Swift. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And of course he was in Doctor Who before. He was in Doctor Who before, but I like the idea of doing something a bit special. I don't mind them having sort of token gestures of Christmas, mm. like the snow, because it snows. When we think about it, it snows for a big chunk of the year. You know, yeah. it can be a good few weeks of the year it can mm. snow for. And when you think about Doctor Who in the past, it hasn't snowed very often. I mean, Claws of Axos, I think. Yeah. And they, you know, gave, it, gave an excuse for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's... There's very few stories where it actually yeah. snows. So yeah. you think there should be more stories set mm. in snow. So I don't mind that because mm-hmm. that's that fits in with my, yeah. okay, let's have a snow. I don't mind snow. Yeah. It's incidental rather it's than... It's incidental rather than... And this is the problem with Doctor Who where... I mean, I love the, I love the spinning Christmas tree. Yeah. That was the highlight of the episode for me. But the problem is, is because that was a success, mm. what we're talking about, I think we talk, might have talked about this last time, was what's called Robert Holmes syndrome. Yeah. Where it's like, we've had Christmas trees that, that let's make them kill people. And every time they've got to try and think of new ways of doing the same thing. Mm. So this year it's going to be snowmen. Let's have snowmen with teeth. Mm. You know. So I think we've established that you're not so keen yeah. on the Doctor Who Christmas specials. Um, I, I want to. Get, don't mm. get me wrong. I really want to. But I find myself sort of watching them and thinking it could the money they spend on it, the anticipation, mm. do something special with it. Do something that makes me go, I could watch it. I want to watch this again immediately and not like... Well, that's a Christmas special. It was meant to be crap because I don't believe we should be watching no. something and thinking it was meant. That's kind of an excuse. Really. Yeah, we're excusing it by saying, "Oh, mm. don't worry, it's meant to be crap because it's Christmas. No one expects anything at Christmas." Well, I do. <laughs> we're not all stupid. We're not some. You know, your auntie will fall asleep through that as equally as she would fall asleep mm. through. I don't know, ghost light. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what's on. 
Yeah. Because if you're engaging with it and it grips you, you will watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's as simple as that. So if you're not watching the Doctor Who Christmas special, you probably will. I will. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not going to watch it, yeah. but I'm, I, I kind of want to expect... I want it to be mm. good. Mm. <laughs> so what? What is there anything that you do watch at Christmas that is like a tradition for you? That yeah. I mentioned the Muppets Christmas Carol just now. That's a um, tradition. I think I think we in cult TV land mm. live in a slightly different world to the rest of... You know, because we tend to watch things made years ago, for example. Yeah. So we, or we're, our calendars are already screwy. Mm-hmm. I don't think we sort of adhere to things. I know some people do, like, some people stick on Box of Delights yeah. on a yearly basis. That's another one of mine. That's another one. Oh, you do as well, <laughs> yeah. do you? Oh, right. Um, so I, I appreciate, yeah. I think it turns are, out I'm beginning to be one of those people you're not that keen on. No, no, I think it's no, <laughs> I, I think it's fine to watch certain things if they're good in themselves. Like yeah. Box of Delight is mm. quality television. Yeah. Again, what I want to try and do is to try and... Yes, I, I can be a Grinch in some ways, but I think it's it's not unreasonable. It's not because, you know, I, I believe people, I love Christmas when people come together. Yeah. I love good food. Mm. I, love the, I love people being nice to each other. But my argument is, why can't we be nice all the time? <laughs> why is it only for about two weeks of the year when everyone's getting, when everyone's excited to be alive? You know, why can't we give people gifts once a month? rather than just in one burst at Christmas. You know, why can't we just give a present, like, to our kids every now and again? It's going to get expensive. No, but then you don't have Christmas, you see, because you have uh, it spread out. If people were nice all the time, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that take away the specialness? But life should be special all the time. <laughs> I think people rely on Christmas to solve all their rules. There's a lot, there's a lot of pressure on Christmas to be perfect, and this mm. is where the Doctor Who thing... Mm. It's almost like the dis- the, the, any disappointment can be magnified, mm-hmm. because you're all sat there with your family. People who don't always watch Doctor Who... You kind of want them to. Sh- you want to show them something. This is why we watch Doctor Who, Auntie. It's because it's got this in it. Yeah. And of course, when they see something a bit basic and a bit moronic, they, they'll probably go, "Well, you know, is that it?" Mm. Whereas if they were watching something which genuinely was well written and yeah. brilliant, but not necessarily Christmassy, mm-hmm. they might go, "Oh, this is the first time I've seen it. Do you know what? I might watch it when it comes back." Yeah. You know, so it's an advert. For, really, mm. Doctor Who is an advert it's for what Doctor Who. It's a showcase of what Doctor Who can do. Mm. And I think when it wastes its chance. To, sh- to show off, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- then I think you, you kind of, under as a fan, you're disappointed in yourself, but also what other people might be watching. You know, yeah. These are the ones that are most watched mm-hmm. for Doctor Who. And you want to show off what it, what it can do. What it can do yeah. And it's not just being, you know, throwaway rubbish, which mm. it veers towards, I think. Now, we have had a little bit of feedback, not masses this time round. Um, Jenny Shirt, otherwise known as Blue Box 99 on Twitter. Hi, Jenny. Uh, she emailed in with just a few of her favourites. So um, we've got. She likes the Polar Express. I love the Polar Express. That's another one. Yes, that's fantastic. We're on to a winner one. here, Jenny. And you I like saw, something. And I watched it in se- in September, and it was still a good film. I didn't wow. have to watch it at Christmas. Yeah, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol. We, we've established that's yes. work of genius. We so we're getting to the point where we've we've come to the conclusion Jenny's got really good taste. Yeah. I like Jenny. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, she's cool. Uh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yes, that's one. Yes. It's not really a Christmas film. No, but, but it's a traditional thing it's that she in, watches every Christmas. It's in my top five films ever. Yeah. Labyrinth, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Miracle on 34th Street. Never seen it. There's many versions of that as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Does she say which one? She doesn't. She doesn't elaborate. Uh, She's keeping you guessing, Peter. She's leaving podcast land. Hanging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and White Christmas. Never seen it. Me either. Which I feel slightly remiss. I should have watched We're going to have really. to do a nerdology where we're forced to watch these things and talk yeah, about them yeah now she does say uh, she loves the Doctor Who Christmas specials it's always a big must for her so you know there is an audience there is oh there's yeah. an audience I don't yeah. doubt that yeah 
And she just finishes off by saying, uh, the royal family are outnumbered a definite watch to, plus any Morecambe and Wise if it's on the telly. Got to say, the so royal that's... family Christmas specials, I really love. Yeah. I think they're great. Mm-hmm. Because they're good in their, in their own right. They yeah. just, it just happens to be set at Christmas. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the, the formula is, that is brilliant. I could watch hours of that. Mm. So thank you for that, Jenny. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. We're All recording right. this on the 24th. Mm-hmm. What did you do yesterday, Mark? Um, How I... did you celebrate Doctor yeah. Who? Uh, well... I went onto the local community radio station with a bunch of other nerds and talked about Doctor Who for a couple of hours. But what did you do to celebrate it yourself? How do you celebrate these things? Because people well, do celebrate. Normally, normally I will sort of dig out an episode of you know, favorite episode of Doctor Who and watch it. So see, I don't do that. You don't. I don't. But there's, I know that there are lots of people online who, mm. when it comes to the sort of twenty third of November, yeah. people will say that they watch Unearthly Child religiously, yeah. or mm-hmm. they'll watch a story, or they'll watch. You know, and of course we've got the fiftieth anniversary coming yeah. up next year, and people, people who are really into these anniversary things, mm. put a lot of pressure on something special has got to be done. Yeah. So this is the weird thing is that I don't have that in me at all. Mm. You know, when, next yesterday I acknowledge it's forty nine years old. Mm-hmm. Well done, Doctor Who. Yeah. But I don't feel the need to put something on to celebrate it mm. because I celebrate it when I, but by just loving it and liking it, I don't yeah. feel the need to kind of show to myself that I've got to prove it by watching something and going, oh, Doctor Who, that's why I love you. I don't I don't have that in me. I don't. I don't understand how that works. Because hmm. the 50th anniversary, it ties in with the DVD range finishing. Hmm. And talk in the last sort of year has been about people starting from the beginning and doing marathons. Yeah. And it seems a logical thing to do. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing that. Not yeah. because it's the 50th anniversary, but because they're all out on DVD and it tickles me to be able to watch the idea of watching them all from the beginning as yeah. much as I can, you know, and that really does tickle me. But mm-hmm. I'm not doing it to tie in because people are doing it in such a way as if to say, you know, are you going to, you know, when people t- you read threads and forums and mm. people's views and they say, oh, I'm going to time it so that I five doctors or something will be will be on the same day as the anniversary or I'll finish watching That's them all possibly on the same day. Far. But people do. People have mm. this sense of occasion. Where, yeah. where, where they do decide that the twi- whatever whatever they're, whatever they're up to in the marathon has to somehow time it yeah. well. I mean, I'm not sure about taking it that far, but I think you know, November the 23rd is an important date in Doctor Who history, it and is. why not? And how do you feel about the onus on having a 50th anniversary celebratory story? Does that is that, is that, is that something you in t- inside demand as a fan? <laughs> I think it'd be wrong not to have some kind of recognition of it. You know, for a, for a show with. You know, towards the end of its original run, it had a pretty um, turbulent existence. Yeah. And for people who love it dearly to be able to celebrate 50 years later, um, I think, yeah, I think it should be celebrated in mm. some fashion. I, I think so too. But my argument of celebrating it is to celebrate it with a good story. It's a bit like Christmas, and this is why I kind of... Oh, I'm not arguing it. to have a rubbish story. <laughs> no, no, I just no. like to point that out. <laughs> but no, it's, it's in terms of... Um, because obviously what's happened is that when anniversaries in Doctor Who tend to be celebrated a certain way mm. and this is a bit like the whole Christmas thing it's like we've got to have multi-doctor stories that's yeah. the tradition that's now co- it's, it's come to happen mm. uh, because it happened in the 10th anniversary and we had it for the, for the 20th yeah. it's now become with the talk of the 50th that's what people expect Yeah. And whereas personally, so you're asking for what we had at the 25th anniversary hmm? a bit of gold nemesis bit, a bit of gold nemesis <laughs> <laughs> and this this time it's serious. Mm. Um, no, no, it's just that thing of because the problem I have with with any multi doctor story is that 
I hate to say this, I hate to break it to people, but mm. some of them are dead. They're that, all Dave dead. That had dead. crossed my mind, yeah. They're all, they're all dead, Dave. You know, that's what I was meant to say. <laughs> they're all dead, Dave. The, the, the three Doctors who started it all, and who I would get the biggest kick, kick out of seeing return, mm. are dead. Yeah. I would kill to see Troughton come back for an anniversary story. That'd be fantastic. But, yeah. but that's partly because he's dead. Mm. If he was alive, and he was doing interviews, and obviously he was mm-hmm. involved with fandom, you know... And we'd see him age a bit more. Mm. The, the, the sort of joy of seeing him back in it, perhaps yeah. I think, would be lessened in some way. Mm. I mean, what makes for me what makes Three Doctors special is the fact that Troughton, when I came to came to see him, watch yeah. it, he he was already dead. So it, it was kind of more Trout. It was more Troughton. Right. Precious little exists anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's what makes that special for me. Mm. It's not because it's a multi Doctor thing, and I feel like oh, it's celebrating the show because they're all there. It's because I'm seeing more of, of a Doctor who. Fortunately, he's not, he's alive no more. Mm. It's a bit of an enigma because his era doesn't exist all that much. Yeah. We're ever hopeful that stuff will come back. Oh, of course. And next year we've got you know we've got the Galaxy Four episode and, mm-hmm. and, and that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, the idea of having Doctors return because because they should. Mm. I don't. I mean, I mean, as much as I love Colin Baker and I, I love I love all the actors as people. You know, yeah. I think a lot of them are, are really screwed on people. They're fantastic. The idea of then seeing them back again in the series, looking so different. Yeah. I mean, even if you are, even if you, even if you explain away in the plot like they did with Peter Davison and Time yeah. Crash. Yeah. Now, Time Crash for me was brilliant. Yeah. That did what Doctor Who should do when it does these sort of mm. things. Because it, it was clever. Yeah. It was. It was like. It was like a. It was, it was like a love letter to Doctor Who. It, yeah. was, it was sweet. It was well written. It didn't outstay its welcome. It was mm. short, punchy. It did what it should. But when That you, does give me a little bit of faith in Stephen Moffat that he can do a decent job of it. I think certainly he will. And I'm sure he'll explain away the fact they look different. Mm. But And you'd have to. Because as much as I love these people, Colin Baker is completely different. I, yeah. ca- I can't equate with Colin Baker how he looks now. Mm. I mean, again, what we've got to remember is when Three Doctors and Five Doctors were done... The doctors had only been out of the role for a short time, yeah. So they looked relatively similar, yeah, yeah. Uh, but with the time difference now, I mean, Tom Baker mm. is obviously a completely different man. He's, yeah. he, you know, but the, the past is a different country, as they mm-hmm. say. And Tom Baker looks completely different. They all look completely different, really. To be absolutely honest, I mean, Paul McGann doesn't look too different from when he was last in the role so he, no. he could just about get away with that and because we didn't see too much of him you mm. could sort of squint and think oh, that's probably how he would have looked in his second season you know? yeah, so, yeah. Um, but it, it's a very it's a very odd thing because Colin Baker even looked different mm. in, in Trial of a Time Lord yeah I noticed that you know, yeah. you know, he's a lot chubbier and his hair is obviously completely mm. mad yeah and you do notice these things so mm. you can kind of equate uh, sort of deal with it on that level I think mm. but I'm not one of these people who because it's the 50th next year wants necessarily a reunion story I mean I'd like it to be a good story I'd like yeah. it to be things in it that are a big fan pleasing yeah and I think it should be a celebration I don't know if you need to shoehorn in every single reference I mean I don't want it to get yeah. to as much as I love Paul McGann in the role yeah. um, the TV movie is so jam packed with yeah. continuity that it's I find it a bit irritating at it's times a bit distracting yeah and, um, and I think that's that, that, that's what I mean I mean, this is what this is why I think Doctor Who has its own mythology now. Mm. It's a bit like Christmas again, mm. where it's got its own motifs. It's yeah. got the idea of having all these Doctors brought together, perhaps with companions, perhaps with monsters. Mm. Um, 
recognition of the past in some way. So it would probably have a Gallifrey yeah. link to it. So Gallifrey has now become the celebratory thing, mm -hmm. I think, and all, as well as a byproduct of that. Um, so you've, you've and, and also you've got to try and you've got a limited amount of screen time to show off so many elements of the show mm -hmm. that they cannot help but be tokenistic. Yeah. And I, and I think sometimes it can work. Like with Five, five Doctors, walks that line between bearable and not bearable mm. I mean I, I like it because it's got I think the Cybermen come out of it brilliantly yeah. it's nice to see them as a kind of a rogue rogue units yeah. trying to sort things out mm. obviously it's great to see Trown and Pertwee back again again because they're dead now yeah. because there's an added air of oh they're not alive it's nice to have just a bit more of them mm -hmm. um, and because not many interviews exist they're almost like enigmatic figures compared to how the Doctors are now, where we have a lot of archive footage of, you know, all their episodes exist, mm. we have a lot of interviews with them, they're very present yeah. and and again, I think a lot of these things, it's like Two Doctors, what makes Two Doctors special is really, because it's Troughton. A chance for another adventure. A chance for another adventure mm. and of course you can, I suppose you could say really that in years to come once these new Doctors have died, once Tom Baker mm. and Peter Davison and Colin Baker have died, that having new adventures we might look at them in the same way. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. But but I, but then I'd be thinking, well, I would prefer what they did with two Doctors and just having one Doctor. Mm. Focus yeah. on the one. Yeah. Like, like, what makes two Doctors quite interesting is that it, 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 it gets it more right than the other reunion stories mm. because you've only got Troughton. Yeah. It's not trying to shoehorn in the other Doctors. No. And it is, okay, the story might not be brilliantly, it might not be as good as it could be, mm. but you, you, you feel that it's a story in its own right. Yeah. And it has a chance to breathe. It's yeah. breathing wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a touch of asthma. It's got a touch of asthma. It's a bit winded. Yeah. But um, I'm allowed to say that because I get asthma. So. He's allowed to say that. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. We can, we can, we can talk about asthma. Um, but it's a story in its own right. So two doctors out of those multi-doctor stories. For mm. me, it gets it more right because it's because it's not trying to be a special, and tonally, it's not trying to be a slightly jovial celebration. Mm. I mean, I think the one that gets it right the most is the three doctors because yeah. because Hartnell not being in it all that yeah. much, it is basically Troughton and Troughton's yeah. on top. I think yeah. it's the best Troughton we have. Yeah. I love Troughton in that. Um, so I love that rivalry between him and John Pertwee as well. Yeah, it's wonderful, mm. and, and and because it's not trying to be a celebration in the yeah. quite the same way that Five Doctors was. Five mm. Doctors was a different kind of story, mm. and and the idea of having Richard Herndl back mm. for me wasn't. I, I, I can never look at him and go, that's Hartnell. No. I don't get that buzz no. that you're supposed to get. Mm. It's, it's the idea that if they brought them back now... I feel a bit sorry for him because it puts him in a very awkward position, obviously. It's impossible. He's got a chance you know, to play a role in a in what was then a very big production. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... But I can't... I can never see that as Hartnell because it's mm. not Hartnell. No. And I think I think nowadays, if you the argument of trying to bring back the, the Dead Doctors, mm. if you've got new actors playing with them, playing them, mm. playing with them, that'd be terrible. <laughs> Now they might be good, uh, might be able to do a sort of a, a good likey voice maybe, yeah. and they might have similarities. Yeah. But I will know in my heart of hearts that mm. they're not it's that not doctor. Them. It's yeah. not them, and that they're covering. Even if Moffat excuses them, gives them a reason to be there, mm -hmm. they might say, "Oh, they look different because they've been a bit like mind robbers." Jamie's face. Yeah. You know, the doctor yeah. built his own face and cocked it up. <laughs> even if they do that, yeah, it's not. You're yeah, aware that they're covering... In the back of your mind, it's always there. You always know that they're covering dead tracks. Yeah. And I think that's a bit sad. And yeah. Doesn't, it's not going to convince me. Mm. And that's what I have. The, prob the problem I have is that, you, that unless they were to do convincing CGI, and we are talking 
facially yeah. identical. Photorealistic. Photorealistic. I'm going to say perfect. It has to be perfect mm. CGI, mm. which then I might suspend my disbelief because yeah. I wouldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Unless they do that and a, and a mm. bloody good vocal mm. artist. Mm. I'm genuinely not going to be able to to suspend my disbelief because yeah. I can't I can't with Herndl. Mm. You know, I, I can only just about with Doctors Who, you know, look a bit... I like Troughton yeah. in Five Doctors yeah. and Two Doctors. He does look a bit different. Yeah. and he, But he looks just enough the same. Mm. Particularly in Two Doctors. With his hair. A bit older and... And, yeah. and face and craggy. Yeah. And you, you're aware that he's not as nimble mm. and he's not as agile. And I'm working with it. But even yeah. then I'm aware he's an older version. Yeah. So how am I going to fare mm. with Tom Baker? Yeah, quite. And I say, even if they give him, even if they explain away his age, mm. I'm always going to be aware that it's it's the same man, but not the same man. Yeah. And, I, and that's going to be unsatisfactory mm, mm. for me personally. Yeah. I mean, some people will be happy with that. And I'm not saying that people won't. Some people really like the idea of them all mm. coming together. And it doesn't matter who the, what they look like. It's the fact that they're the actors. Hi, this is Fraser Hines, uh, Jamie McCrimmon from Doctor Who, and you're listening to Nerdology. Um, but at the end of the day, it, they are different. They, they are different now to how they were, mm. and, and I think in terms of the story, the, the story is important here. You've got this, got to engage and be convincing. Because the moment you, you get you, the moment, it's a bit like the Christmas thing. The moment you're aware of what it's trying to do. It takes the you out of the gone. story. Yeah. It takes you out of it. It's a bit like when you know that, for instance, towards the end, for instance, it's a bit, it's a bit like in the in the Christmas Carol story, mm. where you get the shark on on the and the sleigh yeah. flying through the skyline. I'm aware of what it's trying to do there, and it's mm. a bit sort of in your face. It's trying to crowbar in. It's taking the shark thing, which was an interesting idea, mm. but turning it into a reindeer, and I know that that's what it was there to do all along. Yeah. And I think that that's what really that that's how I feel about the, the multi-doctor stories. Mm. You know, the idea that that you know they're going to have to sort of crowbar in, however cleverly. Yeah, explanations. Explanations, mm. reasons, but I'll know why they've done each thing. Yeah, I'll know why they've had sort of Tom Baker looking like he does now. Yeah, probably wearing you know a caftan and a big poncho, and he probably sitting. And uh, I will know that they've tried to get around it. Through a diff- through I'm wondering if they might try to have them in little cameos as mm. different characters, maybe. But then I'd kind of want them to be if they play different characters. Yeah. that's it's a bit. Uh, I don't know. That's it's difficult. That's isn't distracting it? as well because you know it's Tom Baker. It's a no-win situation. Really, it's a no-win. It? You can't do anything about it. Mm. And I think that's the unfortunate thing where it's one of those things that you cannot, unless all the doctors are alive and it's fairly new. I mean, to be honest, if they were to do. I think David Tennant's obviously fairly recent. Yeah. He looks the same. Yeah. They can get away with that. I mean, actually, what I would have liked to have seen, and this is a point I can talk about just for about two minutes, mm. is what I would have liked to have seen with multi-Doctor stories is for them to have happened a lot more often mm. around the time of the previous Doctor, if you like, yeah. and just had fun with the idea of a Doctor, two Doctors in the same place, undoing yeah. each other's work, yeah. and a little clever runaround. Mm. So, for instance, it would have been nice if, during, Hart- during Troughton's era... Yeah. Perhaps in his first season, you just had Hart, him going into Hartnell, turning up on the scene yeah. of one of his adventures, mm. and then, and then sort of, and perhaps they can misinterpret each other mm. or play Indirectly against each other, causing him. I mean, trouble. To, be, to be honest, there are hundreds of stories you could do like that, mm. and if it was a regular thing where every Doctor had it has its own, has a sort of a, a previous Doctor story mm. where they just happen to stumble across, or or the, the, not necessarily the previous Doctor, perhaps perhaps a couple of Doctors in advance, maybe yeah. where they still look a bit similar mm. but just have fun with that yeah and to, and to make it kind of yeah you know, uh, there are a few beliefs i have I, sh- I believe that every doctor should have 
you know, uh, in a, more than one Dalek story, mm-hmm. because that's what I don't like about the 80s. Doctors yeah. is they only have one Dalek story to get it right as well. Because mm-hmm. if you have Resurrection, mm-hmm. which is rubbish, you've then ruined your only Dalek story for Davison. Yeah. How sad. Mm-hmm. And I think, obviously, one, uh, one Sideman story is a tradition, even though I think there should be more side Again, like the Daleks, you don't yeah. want to waste it all. I think I'd like to see every Doctor have a historical story. Mm. As a tradition, I think yeah. it'd be nice to have a purely historical story. A straight one. F- f- with no pseudo-historical, just mm. a purely historical, just for one story for each Doctor. Just so yeah. they have a chance to do a different type of story, mm-hmm. where it's more to do with court politics. It's a bit more Shakespearean, a bit more yeah. involved as characters. Mm-hmm. And then I'd also like to see that's the, the tradition of having, of having perhaps a story with a, pre- a previous Doctor in a story which it just messes around with people... And as they undoing each other's work, perhaps working together, a bit like um, peeing each other off, you know. Using the dreaded word Star Trek when they had uh, they did an episode called The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh right. Where they go back, um, it must have been an anniversary mm. that year, and they go back to an original series story, and they kind of superimpose the Deep Space Nine crew onto the original Enterprise. Yeah, perhaps perhaps do something like that. Mm. I mean, perhaps back in the day of. Troutman and Hartnell and mm. John Perry, that would have been quite hard to do because mm. they'd have to reference the, ep- the, ep- the episodes in question. Yeah. And they just simply didn't, they wouldn't have the time or the inclination, I think, to have done mm. that. Mm. But I think because of the age we live in now, where Doctor Who is quite involved and it's, we're, we're, people are aware of the complexity of stories, how, they, how clever they can be, mm. I think the opportunity of having multi Doctor stories, I think, should be more, uh, it's quite exciting. Mm. But I'd like to see multi Doctor stories for, for, say, more recent Doctors. So I think. Tennant would be a good one because he looks similar. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got the same sort of vibe about him. You can believe it's the same character and there's no question of... You're not questioning his age particularly. You know, obviously you will to a point, but but you're not gonna. it's not going to be something that you will look at that, mm-hmm. that, that sort of distracts you from, from what's going on. In the same way as I say about the Christmas motifs of the new of the new Christmas episodes mm-hmm. where you're distracted by what they're trying to do. And I think the moment you you get taken out of a story with the best int- best of intentions, mm. but the moment you get taken out of it, a part of the a- that magic of the story, the, sort of the it's actual... Gone. It's gone. Because mm. it's a bit... I say postmodern is the wrong word, I suspect, but it is kind of postmodern in its way. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's being obviously referential yeah. in some way. And I find that, as I say, quite distracting. Mm. It, mm. It, 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 does, it does spoil it for me. So that's the problem I have with Christmas stories, basically, is <laughs> they are... Or, or, with, or with certain celebratory stories. I say two doctors gets away. I did contradict myself earlier on, just to clarify. I think <laughs> I think two doctors, in essence, gets it right because it's deliberately trying to do a non-celebratory story with yeah. Troughton. It's got a good number of episodes. It's got a story there, so that's what it does. That's what that gets right. Mm. Two doctors gets it right because because it's it's more it, it's it's more light-hearted, um, but without being stupid. Um, Troughton's only just been in it. So that's wonderful. So he looks the same. Um, the, the, the actual banter between Pertwee and Troughton is wonderful because it's actually really funny and, and it just it just really gels. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. So that works. And obviously it's the first time it happens. So there's a novelty value there. But for me, Five Doctors is, is the way that it would have to be done now because there's so many Doctors. The idea of having loads of Doctors, that's, that's the only way you could do it. It's mm-hmm. like Five Doctors. Yeah. And my argument with Five Doctors is that when... Terence Dix was writing and he, and he had the issues of having to do rewrites upon rewrites because he wasn't sure who was going to be in it. Yeah. My argument was for that 
for that would be really he should have known who was going to be in it mm. he should have given himself enough time to write it so if Tom Baker had agreed initially they should have got him to sign a contract to say he would definitely yeah. be in it yeah. if he's sort of undenied but they weren't sure and there's a cut, they reach that cut off point where he hasn't signed to say he will definitely do it mm. then he can't do it then Terence Dick shouldn't be writing yeah it's like Terence Dick should have had a script he should have had enough time to that he knew he could write it in contract should have been signed at the last available point when they can agree to do it mm. if Tom Baker hadn't signed it then they should work on the fact he's not going to be in it they've got Trout and, and Perwee potentially signed up work with those make that story good mm. and don't try and work around Tom Baker or don't try to fit him in because you've promised because if you don't have Hartnell in it anyway yeah you can I'd rather they just focused on Pertwee and Baker and given them more airtime rather than certainly in the case of um, Hartnell using using a, a pretender to the throne who mm. isn't as good mm. and having him talk to, I'd like to have seen you know John Pertwee in that sequence with the, with the Dalek yeah. or have Trout in it with the Dalek mm. that would have been wonderful mm-hmm. we'd lap up those scenes much more I think than the, than seeing Richard Hernell there and, and Richard Hernell is a good actor I've seen him in other things and he's, he's a good there's nothing against him but yeah. it's just you cannot re- replicate someone who isn't it's a bit like the argument of trying to fit you know missing episodes my dad used to always say do you know what they should do for those missing episodes and I'd say what dad and he'd go <laughs> they should remake them but with mm. new act with new actors or for the new series, and I'm thinking, yeah, but it will never be the same no. because the part of the joy of those is is the way that they were. Yeah, it's the way Troughton was. It's mm. the way William Hartnell was. Mm. The, the buzz I get from seeing the old stuff. Yeah, it is very specific to to that old stuff. It's I hate to use the word charm because I think that's a bit patronising. Look at the charming old episodes, aren't they charming? That's a bit to suggest, you know, that they're rubbish, whatever, mm. whatever, whatever. But it's not. It's because of what they are. And, you, you know, you, with the best will in the world, you cannot hope to replicate what the original was about, what made it work. It's the old actors, the character actors around at the time who came from a different class of television. It's a mm. different television production, mm. the values. Mm. It's 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 the, the way they were done. And yeah. um, I know, yeah, I sound a bit sort of dismissive. And I think there are lots of people who are just saying, oh, get a grip, you know, Peter, just bloody hell, watch it and enjoy it. But you've got to enjoy it for reasons that you believe in. And yeah. if you don't believe in it, then it means nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Peter's about to have a mental breakdown. No, no, I, I so. love the fact that I'm so assured in my beliefs. And I, I feel <laughs> that at least I've managed... I hope, I hope I've explained myself. I expect there are people, as I say, who aren't going to understand what I'm getting on about. What I'm going, And probably you could say, oh, I'm being too deep. But but I, I think I, I, didn't, I didn't come to these things with those views in mind and then want to adhere to them. I, I was dissatisfied with things and then wondered why. Mm. And I've analysed why I'm dissatisfied with, they say, Five Doctors. Yeah. I mean, Five Doctors is my earliest memory of Doctor Who, so you'd mm. think I'd, I'd like it. Yeah. And I like bits of it, mm. but I don't have that. Just because just because it was the first story I can remember, mm. I don't have that. I don't believe in nostalgia. I think nostalgia is something to excuse, potentially, to look beyond what something is into something it isn't. And just because I watched Five Doctors, it was my earliest memory of Doctor Who, I can remember quite a few bits of it. Mm. When, when I first came to see it, I was obviously intrigued about my memories, about, oh, it's going to be a story that I can... But when I came to watch it, once I'd got over the buzz of seeing those moments again, I'm left with a story I have to take on its own terms. Mm. And I can't fool myself into thinking that just because it's Five Doctors, it's my earliest memory, just because it's a celebratory story... In the same way, I can't excuse Christmas ones just because they're Christmas. Yeah. Because I think that's, that's excusing what the thing is. And mm, I mm. can't lie to myself, Mark. I'm honest. I'm honest. <laughs> I'm true. You know? I'm me, Mark. So you're not nostalgic? 
I'm not nostalgic. No. Well, for those of you that are, <laughs> I get a little plug in here. We did have some more feedback from John Rivers on Twitter. Hi, John. Hello. Uh, he very kindly sent us a link to uh, a blog that he did last year, oh, which right. I actually read and very much enjoyed. Right. Uh, and it's called Xmas Spech. So if you go to xmaspech.wordpress.com and you'll be able to see some very nostalgic old uh, Christmas specials from the BBC via a handy little link on YouTube Aww. that he submits in there. And it's really good. Um, I enjoyed it. I would enjoy Peter's it Peter's a curmudgeon, I, no, so he no, won't No, no, like no, no, no. I think it's great, because I will always love those early ones that I saw, because mm. they got me into Doctor Who. So there will always be a place in my heart for mm. certain things, because obviously it's part of the whole thing that got me into Doctor Who. But at the same time, it's tempered with the quality of it. So mm. I can't always go... You know, just because that was my oldest memory, therefore I can defend things through childlike eyes. Mm. That's the thing. I will watch things. I watch things as a child anyway. Mm. You know, I, I I love sort of inanity. I love stupidity because I think that's part of what two can be. It, sh- it should be frivolous, mm-hmm. but I think it's got to be frivolity done well, <laughs> not lazy frivolity, Mark. I don't do lazy. <laughs> you know, quality frivolity. You're a you try saying master, that, aren't you? you? Yeah. You try saying that quality frivolity. You say well, that a few times. A few more sherries. <laughs> yeah, all the sherry. We're drowning in sherry. Here we are. Yeah. Too much. Sherry. More mince pies. Do you like a mince pie? Oh, not another one. I've, oh, okay. I've had fifty-six. All right. No okay. More, Mark. So obviously, part of Christmas is looking back at the year that's gone. Mm. So, in a reflective mood, what oh. have you, what have you enjoyed from this year? Just to, to, to stay on Doctor Who, I, I've liked the fact it, it, we've got Doctor Who in the winter time mm-hmm. now. That makes sense to me. I like the fact that we have perhaps a mid-season Christmas episode rather than sort of an end of... Because when you tend to get think big changes happen, they mm-hmm. tend to be... Although, of course, this year we're having a new companion yeah. at Christmas, so that's slightly annoying. Mm-hmm. But at least we're not having a new Doctor at Christmas necessarily, so that's a good thing. Yeah. I like the fact we've got mid-season Christmas. Breaks the Doctor Who up into two seasons so we can dwell on the fact we've had... Yeah. That's the... the, the five episodes of and we can we can sort of dwell on them you know mm. enjoy them savour yeah. them rather than racing through an entire season and getting bloated getting mm. stuffed like Christmas <laughs> like Christmas day or having saving up all the good food for the final part of the year when we should be having good food peppered throughout the entire year we should be living like proper people yeah so um, I like the fact that's happened um, obviously f- um, f- uh, it's, it's really last year but I love the, the missing episodes the fact that we've had um, those two, which are in the pr- pipeline, mm. and we've had hints that maybe next year we're going to have more animated stories. So that yeah. next year is going to be a really good year for Doctor Who, I think, in terms of missing episodes, mm. for animated episodes, for Colour Mind of Evil. Yeah, fantastic! I'm really looking forward to that. So next year, I'm... come back, come back to me next year. I'll be a lot more happier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that I'm right in saying there's. Another, I think it's an annual thing that they do at the BFI called uh, something along the lines of Missing Presumed Last. Yeah. Um, um, there's a lot of anticipation because of what happened last year. Yeah. And obviously it's very hard to... People are going to be listening to this. By the time, obviously... Yeah, by the time you hear this, we might already one, have something We might have, have something. Before. Obviously tempered with the view of we've been up this... We've read down this path. As, mm. as someone like me who's very into Missing Episodes and has heard... My ear has been to the ground, you know, mm. over the years for many a many a varied rumour. I'm not going to raise my hopes too high mm. because you've got to keep it realistic. I yeah. mean, when the, when there was a big sort of a few years ago, there was a big thing about looking in Africa and making concerted efforts to look through those. Mm. A lot of people raised their hopes up, and I did to a point. But mm. it was always the fact that we we should be grateful for what we've got. Yeah, yeah. And this is where you see this is where I'm not always harsh and evil. I'm glad about what we've got. We've got episodes 
representative of our soundtracks. We've got Teddy Snaps. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got so many episodes surviving anyway that really we, we should be really grateful for what we do have. So I'm not I'm, I'm grateful for anything we do do have. But I'm not raising my hopes. I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping mm-hmm. it real, Mark. You're down with the kids, aren't you? No, I'm just keeping it real. You know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm staying I'm staying down with these intelligent kids. Kids who keep it real. Mark. Someone who is down with the kids, and who is All also right. a very intelligent chap, okay. is Sucky Kark, who's a regular listener to the podcast. Hi, Sucky. Hello. Uh, he's sent us a bit of feedback, reference our sort of Christmas and looking back. So, uh, okay, is he going to be overly nostalgic to, to counteract uh, uh, counter, as a counterpoint to we're, me? We're going to put him in here now. Right, as kids. I was a bit stumped as to what we actually watch. Uh, I even went round asking a few of my work colleagues what they watch, and they were all going, "Oh, I can't remember, I can't remember." Right, but a bit of bit of prompting, they got they got round to uh, giving me some suggestions, which sort of jogged my own memory. Right, so like uh, at, at Christmas, it'd be like end of term, right, and you'd watch, yeah, you you'd finish school, and you'd, you'd have BBC uh, uh, programs on on in the morning. Right, and they'd be like the programs like the Monkeys, the Flintstones, Why Don't You, right? And these are all like every every end of term, right? During the holidays, these programs would always be on. So you'd be watching them at Christmas, but during the evening, you just couldn't think what I couldn't think what we were watching, not as kids. Um, but again, with a bit of prompting, right? You you remember like so uh, the big. Sp- Big one, of course, that you sort of remember for every year since it was put on was the Box of Delights, Patrick Troughton story, uh, which which starred Patrick Troughton, I should say, and uh, that was that was very good. And then the, following that, there was uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. That was I'm sure that was on at Christmas time, or it used to end round about Christmas time. One of the lads at work used to uh, remember watching Disney time because the, the only time. You'd be able to see brand new Disney movies, even though there were clips at Christmas. So he'd be, he'd be watching that, and you'd be able to see the new Disney film, even though it was a small little clip. He also remembers watching. Um, they'd have like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. He'd be he'd stay up and watch them. Not exactly Christmassy, but that's what he'd watch. Um, then you'd have the. The Christmas specials of the comedy shows or the drama shows that they'd have on. Uh, at the time, you'd have. Uh, you can't remember these early ones, but the later ones would, of course, like uh, Only Falls and Horses Christmas specials and um, uh, One Foot in the Grave, Birds of a Feather. They'd all be an extra hour long. Um, and the bitch, yeah, they'd all invariably be abroad. You know, uh, Only Falls and Horses had one in Amsterdam, didn't they? And, they had another one in uh, Spain. I'm sure only foot, uh, one foot in the uh, the grave went to Spain as well. The other thing that another person remembered, and which is what I used to do as well, was the radio times and the TV times would come through. You'd go and buy the radio times and the uh, TV times every year, right? And you'd mark the programs that you'd want to watch. And in them days, there'd only be like three or four channels that you could, and you'd always be guaranteed to have something good to watch each night, but you wouldn't be able to record it, right? Uh, I wouldn't. I didn't start recording some of my stuff until I think 1984, 85, when I had my first video recorder. Begged me, begged me mom for it, and we managed to get one. And uh, I've still got stuff 
in my little set of library from about 20 odd years ago. That's just lying there. Um, but you'd you'd go around marking on on the uh, the Radio Times what you wanted to watch, um, and quite often or not, it'd always be uh, a big movie, right? So every year, they they because in them days there wasn't now Sky, you'd be able to watch um, a brand new movie about four to five years after it got it re- been released at the pictures. So like big event television in them days would be uh, the movies. You'd have a James Bond movie, which will always be on at Christmas, and that would get like mega, mega millions of uh, viewers. Uh, same with like uh, the Star Wars films when they started getting out the Indiana Jones films, they'd all have really, really high ratings. Each blockbuster that had been released about four to five years previously would be released, and you'd get it, and you go, oh, brilliant, right? And you'd be able to watch a film instead of having to go, wait. Loads, uh, you know, in these days you, you can get the films within about six months of being released at the pictures. In them, in them days, you'd have to wait five years. All the memories that some of the people were mentioning was was the Blue Peter pantomime. This, I remember the Blue Peter pantomime. You, you'd have all the presenters for some reason. All of a sudden, they'd go into, they'd be playing other characters, and um, you'd have. Uh, guests from other shows appear. I'm sure there was one with uh, a couple of Daleks in there or a canine in there, and um, they, they'd be showing these sort of things. Uh, you'd be able to watch familiar characters in unfamiliar settings. The other thing, when we were kids, right, was the soaps. But um, the soaps, in the early days, was only really Coronation Street and Emmerdale. And I don't think Emmerdale or Coronation Street would have really big storylines at Christmas. It's only when EastEnders came along that put their storylines at Christmas for really, really big story, uh, big stories. Now, what do I watch every year these days? Uh, it just depends on how busy I am. But I always make time for Doctor Who, even though I've not really enjoyed the last couple of uh, Christmas specials. Uh, it doesn't help that I've been a bit slightly drunk and I've ended up going to sleep right halfway through an episode and then I've had to re-watch it a bit later on. But, you know, that's Christmas for you. Uh, then there, then there's the comedy specials that they, they put on. I mean, this year I'll be watching uh, Miranda, the Royal Family, uh, Mrs Brown's Boys, uh, which they're all great shows and uh, I'll end up watching all of them. The dramas, I don't usually watch any of the dramas unless it's maybe a murder mystery. Right, and I was looking forward to uh, Jonathan Creek this year, right? But apparently, it's not being filmed until uh, February for probably Easter, so that's gone up a swanny. The big program that I'll be watching this year is probably Merlin because it's going to be finishing this year. Uh, I've still got a few episodes to go, but I've got them all back to, to be able to watch, possibly on Christmas Day, right? And I'll be able to watch it all in one go, right? And uh, I'm hoping that the final episode will be on Christmas. Uh, it will be on Saturday night. I'm sure it will be on Saturday night. Now on to the other section that Mark asked me to uh, put a note about, which was what have we watched this year on TV and movies? Uh, there's been a lot of highlights for me on the TV side because I'm not really a British TV viewer. I do like my American TV shows. And uh, there's some really good new TV shows that have started this year. American Horror Story was great. 
absolutely scary in places and really really good um, also uh, I know this might upset a few Sherlock fans but elementary has been really good as well right uh, different sort of take on the Sherlock character right and Johnny Lee Miller, Johnny Lee Miller is really really excellent in this his portrayal of uh, Sherlock right and it's interesting having a female Watson as well Lucy Liu on the uh, sci-fi side of uh, the TV shows, a uh, couple of new shows to look out for. One was uh, Continue, a uh, Canadian show, but it's, it has been shown over here on Sci-Fi, I think it has. But uh, it's, that was really good. Bit of bit of depressing uh, future, but uh, interesting time travel elements in there as well. Right, that was really good. I'm hoping it gets a uh, second season. Uh, Grimm's been really good this year. Right, the first half of that season, the first half of the second season was really excellent. Falling Skies. Some people haven't really liked Falling Skies, the uh, the Steven Spielberg produced uh, show, and um, it, they, they thought it was too depressing, too too talky maybe. But this second season, it's been really excellent, uh, where they they brought more elements in, uh, they brought a bit of mythology in uh, now. Uh, without spoiling it, it should look really good for uh, the next season. Uh, Haven, uh, if you like your really spooky, some of your spooky stuff um, from the Stephen King uh, novel, this is uh, that's that that's uh, another show to look out for. Uh, Lost Girls, Lost Girl, the vampire, no, well, the succubus, I should say. That was another good show. One that isn't got a sci-fi footing, but it's a it's a, a professor with a sort of mental illness but he can solve problems perception that's really good a person of interest that was another show that started last year and I'm still continuing to watch this year um, with the where all the you're being watched by a super all-powerful computer all right and it decides to help certain people out um, primeval's got a new show starting in America which I'm I haven't yet watched, but it's having, it's had some good sort of uh, reviews, mediocre reviews, I should say. Uh, of course, this, the favourite, The Big Bang Theory, right? Uh, you have to watch this, especially some of the stuff uh, where it has uh, Doctor Who references. There's a there's a great show uh, in the new season where there is a, quite a few Doctor Who references. Um, the TARDIS is in the background. Uh, Team Wolf was great this year. Uh, there's a lot of shows that are great. I'm using the word great a lot, but yes. Um, check out a new show called The Neighbours. Uh, it's uh, about uh, a, a family that decides to move into this little suburb, which has been sort of cordoned off from uh, the rest of the uh, rest of the town. But they don't realise that this town, uh, this little suburb, is actually full of aliens that have been living there for many years, but haven't actually integrating themselves into the culture of uh, American life and uh, it's it's <laughs> it's actually quite funny right not many people have uh, reviewed it but I found it quite funny whereas 13 was okay this year it hasn't been brilliant but it's been okay it's just been mainly uh, says uh, comedy shows and stuff like that but sci-fi was there hasn't that been you know to appeal to the nerdology uh, crowd Check out Arrow as well, which is a, a new a new take on the Green Arrow. 
Uh, nothing like the Smallville character, but uh, it's had really good reviews and it's actually quite an excellent show. And has got John Barrowman appearing in it later on in the series. Um, I've just I've got to start watching. I've got them all backed up on my hard drive at uh, on the Sky. Right for uh, all the misfits, I'm going to try and watch all of them in one go. See how the new characters are like. And the same with uh, Merlin. I shall be watching that all in one go. Hopefully, just before the last episode finishes uh, at Christmas. Uh, it should be. I'm hoping it should be really, really good. As I've also got young kids, I've also been checking out some of the uh, the CBBC program. And there's one called Wolf Blood. Which is a, a sort of a mishmash of uh, the vamp, uh, the werewolves, uh, Twilight Saga-like thing. It was actually that was uh, an interesting take. Uh, I think it's got this off a second series as well. Uh, I've yet to. Um, I've only watched the first couple of episodes of Wizards vs. Aliens, the new Russell T Davies show. And um, again, uh, the kids really enjoy it, but uh, for some reason I'm not really enamoured by it. Another one that's on CBBC, right, which has got vampires in this time, is uh, Young Dracula. If you if you remember watching the first few years of Young Dracula, which I have done, right, it was a comedy show. Now, even though it's got more elements, uh, it's got elements of comedy in there. Right, there isn't that much comedy, but it's more of a drama. Right, uh, between the, the power struggle between vampires and uh, humans. Uh, it's a, that is uh, another great show to check out. Um, now on to uh, movies that I've watched this year. Right. There hasn't been that many. Right. I haven't had a chance to watch. I mean, with all the TV shows that I do watch, I don't watch that many movies. But uh, The Avengers is good. Uh, watch that. The Amazing Spider-Man, I actually fell asleep halfway through that. So I can't really comment on that one. I had to watch Skyfall for um, Mark's Nerdology uh, podcast because he did say his uh, podcast was going to be very spoilery. And I thought, you never know, one of these days I will watch Skyfall. So I, I ended up going to watch Skyfall before I could listen to his podcast. And that was actually really, really good. Braver watched uh, the kid, uh, the Disney, new Disney one. It was okay. More geared towards uh, really younger kids, I'd say, or... Uh, women as well because uh, it had a mother-daughter relationship Madagascar 3 excellent excellent really really good I didn't get a chance to watch Men in Black 3 because I've heard the reviews on that and I thought oh no 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 I don't really want to watch it some of that isn't sci-fi or nerdology but it might appeal to some of these uh, people that used to watch it in the past 21 Jump Street right based on the TV show that was really good Jonah Hill Channing Tatum that was really, really funny. There hasn't been that much that I did watch. Um, no, Expendables 2. Check that out. That is absolutely brilliant. Right. I'm, I'm sorry, but it might not uh, appeal to some people, but it was really, really funny. And really, the action was great. Loads of violence. Um, also, Someone that got a lot of rev uh, negative reviews, and, uh, but I, I ended up watching it anyway. It was John Carter? Uh, it, um, it was it was okay. Um, maybe if they'd have left the Mars bit on, as most people have said, he might have got a better review. But um, 
so people knew what they were uh, getting themselves into when they were going to watch it. But it, that John Carter was actually quite a decent film. But uh, it might get slighted by some people, but I thought he was excellent. Uh, again, it might not appeal to many people, but with young kids, right, check out the Three Stooges. That was uh, really funny. Group, I was in India at the time, and uh, you know, uh, you might pick up a copy here and there for somewhere. And we picked up a copy of the Three Stooges while we were in India, and uh, we got a lot of p uh, kids. Not a lot of them speak English, but if you put a little bit of slapstick on the telly. Right, they could sit there howling their heads off, and this is what happened with the Three Stooges. A group of kids round a laptop, put on the Three Stooges. They didn't know exactly what the storyline was, but all the uh, the slapstick elements, the co the comedy elements, they really really loved. One film that I should have watched, but I didn't get a chance. I might get, might go and do it. It's Cabin in the Woods. Actually, I might just go and dig that out and start watching that in a second. I think that uh, concludes my uh, take on what I've watched over the year. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark for letting me do it. And also uh, Zed, Aaron, Palm for some of their suggestions um, to, help, uh, to help me jog my memory. Uh, thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Bye. And thank you very much, Saki, for that feedback. Nice to have a bit of audio feedback. And uh, if you fancy sending something through to the show, you can contact us on uh, nerdologyuk at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at uh, nerdologyuk and we're also on Facebook as well which is uh, facebook.com forward slash nerdologyuk Am I going to hear what Saki said? No, because he hasn't recorded it yet. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's why I said before. Oh, right. We're going to keep this bit in because cause people at home <laughs> might be wondering why I, why I won't talk about what Saki's just said but he hasn't recorded it yet so I don't know what he said so if he says something that's really praiseworthy about Christmas I'll say well you know I may have disagreed with you on certain points but I like your spirit and that's great and if you've agreed with me if you're a bit of a Grinch like me but a good Grinch not a bad Grinch we don't like those then well done that man well done well done <laughs> so yes um, good old Saki he's a good chap and I'll look forward to listening to what he says when he's recorded it yeah, you don't listen to these, do you? No, because uh, I will do. Um, I don't like the sound of my own voice, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I find that very that's, hard to believe. That's the punchline. Yeah. Um, so, looking back yeah. at past year, going slightly away from Doctor Who now, Yeah. Um, certainly something I enjoyed at the cinema, which kind of had mixed reviews, was Prometheus. Did you get a chance oh, to no, see No, I that? didn't. I oh, was initially fantastic. not... I, I've actually only recently decided I might want to see this because mm. I saw a DVD trailer and thought, mm. well, actually, it looks quite good. But because the cinema culture now is always of regurgitations of the past, mm. anything to do with the past, even if I like it, I'm always yeah. a bit sort of, oh, it's not that again, is it? Or they're going to do that, rehash that. It'd never be quite as good. I'm predisposed to hate mm. these things. But this one looks a bit different. It looks a bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. The, the kind of pre-publicity, possibly. Just dropped. <laughs> I just dropped one of the many gifts that Mark has given me this year <laughs> has fallen to the floor. So, you seem generous for words. Yeah, you know? I am. I am. Really yeah. Stop it with the gifts, man. I'm sorry. I'm oh. sorry, Peter. Uh, yeah, the pre-publicity on that one probably didn't do it too many favours because they initially started saying, oh, well, this is the, the prequel to Alien and what have you. And then Ridley Scott was very much at pains to say, well, actually, no, it's not a prequel to Alien. It's set in the same universe. So um, if you went into the cinema expecting it to be Alien, 
you would have been very, very disappointed. Mm. Uh, but I think the majority of people I've spoken to, uh, they went in knowing kind of, you know, obviously they avoided spoilers, whatever, but they knew it wasn't going to be an alien movie per se. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I mean, Ridley Scott is a very um, artistic director. He's very into lighting and mm. the cinematography side of things. So it's always going to look spectacular. And it does. I mean, the opening shot is stunning. Mm. Um, and I think it plays out quite well. Um, it's not a perfect movie, but I have seen a lot worse. Mm. Um, and yeah, for me, that was a, a highlight. And obviously as we've touched on a few times on the podcast, Bond came back this year and that was fantastic. Mm. A really great uh, return to form. Um, anything else that you've seen that you really like? I was going to ask you about this, actually, because we live in an age now where obviously DVDs are quite cheap. They come out months mm-hmm. after the event. Um, I think when, when you get to a certain age as well, there's lots of things that come out which have no, you have no interest in or you're mm. distrustful of mm. to begin with. Mm. And a lot of the things that I've liked this year have been things from the past, so okay. not contemporary. I mean, I, I've been watching uh, a nineteen six from 1960. I've been mm-hmm. recently watching The Adventures of Sir Francis Drake. Oh, wow. Which is uh, an IT, ITC series, mm-hmm. one of their earliest ones, black and white, shown on ITV originally. Mm-hmm. It was shown after um, sort of the, the Adventures of Robin Hood, which I think is a TV classic. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the best things ever on, in my top ten of good TV shows. The Adventures right. of Robin Hood is a fantastic show. They did a few other sort of historical figures after that. Mm. Um, end of the 50s, early 60s, they did. Um, uh, William Tell, they did. Uh, Sir, Sir Lancelot, starring mm-hmm. William Russell, which I haven't uh, actually... Yeah. I've got them, yeah. I haven't got around to seeing those yet. But I give, I thought I'd give um, Francis Drake a go. And it's one of those ones where loads of character actors are in it. So mm. you've got Roger Delgado from Doctor Who yeah. as the main villain in almost mm. of the episodes. You've got a young Michael Crawford in it. You've got people you recognise from other shows yeah. in it. And it's a fantastic, very tightly written, different because it doesn't dwell on the emotion. It has the emotional to a point, but mm-hmm. it's, it's got a bit of everything. It's more balanced as a production. So they're yeah. only 25-minute episodes, but I love them. Mm. I lap that stuff up because mm-hmm. I think it's it's done with real heart. And yeah. it's, it, it's quality programming. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, uh, I'm sure other people will sort of, when they talk about their review of the year, we'll mention stuff from the 60s and 70s. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a natural thing It's a natural do. thing. So a lot of the... Yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm trying to think about what's come out this year that I've enjoyed. And I'm having a hard time remembering because I, the past and present are all mixed up in my head. And I, I'm trying to think of what has come out this year that I've liked this year. And I genuinely can't begin, begin to remember what mm. I've seen because my mind is screwed. <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's the um, curse of the cult TV man isn't mm. it? where we watch things out of time yeah know? that's true it's, that's why I mentioned earlier on about the Christmas specials when you watch them at different times of the year mm. you then don't want to rely on just the, the fact you're watching it on a couch with the rest of the family yeah. you know I like something that is you can watch outside of that so mm. that's you know, we, we, we live in a different we live in a different not time warp is the wrong mm. word but we, we live in a we have odd calendars we cult TV people where mm. we don't watch things when we're supposed to and we watch things in batches and we watch things from years ago that people have forgotten. Yeah. You know, a fantastic amount of stuff, you know. So I'm watching that. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other things I've watched and my mind has gone completely blank. <laughs> well, this year, um, one of the films we went to see, which is, again is a, a more recent film mm. from this year, was Argo. Oh, I've never even heard of it. That's how oh, I touch uh... with modern, modern things, <laughs> modern type people. It's a really good film. Um, it's. I hate saying this because it always makes it sound like really naff um, pitch, but it's based on a true story. 
um, and it's uh, all about the when the uh, the Brits and the States uh, mm. instated a um, Shah um, to, so they wanted to be able to sort of control the uh, the uh, oil industry in Iran. Um, obviously, the Iranians weren't that keen about that, so they effectively chased him out of the country. He went back to the states, and uh, Ayatollah Khomeini came into power. Mm. And obviously, at that time, it was not really a good place to be if you were an American. And there are six people trapped in uh, Iran, and they've got to try and get them out. And mm. uh, so the CIA come up with this plan. Uh, they use a cover story that they're going to make a science fiction movie in Iran. I knew that to be a link. I was thinking yeah. this is a bit intellectual <laughs> and about and about coming yeah. to affairs. And I'm thinking, where's the tripod going to walk into all of this? <laughs> um, so yeah, they use that as their cover story. It's very well written. Um, mm. With these sorts of things, the only misgivings I do sometimes have is you tend to think, well, what have they kind of spiced up to make it a bit more? Uh, I was going to say, because before you mentioned the science fiction element, I was going to say, do you get an idea? Because obviously with a lot of these mm. war stories, there's a, there's a big history and mm. then there's a lot to convey. Yeah. A lot, you want to get through the politics, you want to get through the emotional impact, mm-hmm. the, the lay of the land. Yeah. Um, did you get a sense of learning about a piece of history as well? Yeah, I mean, they, they go to the lengths of giving you like a potted history of uh, that part of the world before the actual... Story kicks off. I mean, it's relatively recent history. Uh, we're talking between seventy nine and eighty one mm. uh, when it takes place. Um, but yeah, a very good story, very tense thriller, um, a few comedy moments in there, mm. and a pretty decent cast. Alan Arkin is in it, and he's oh. brilliant. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some really good oh, people. Out of ten, I would probably say eight and a half. That's pretty high. Yeah, well, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Prometheus, how would you? I'd probably give that an eight out of ten. Oh, yeah, so, so both pretty both pretty decent films. Yeah. yeah. I, the recent thing I watched recently, I, in the last few days actually, mm. people might be aware of this already because I'm a few years behind everybody else in certain areas. <laughs> um, to go from good films to terrible films. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a guy under the name of Red Letter Media who okay. posts on YouTube, mm. and he's infamously done um, a long critique of. Phantom Menace. Okay. And you might think this is an obvious thing to do. Mm. We could just stand there and shout into a camera <laughs> for hours on end. But this is actually, it's worth watching. It's 70 minutes in total. Wow. And you, and you might think this is one critique too long. It's 70 minutes, but it's broken down into 10 minute chunks, which helps. Mm. And he goes through why the film, logically, try, he tries to get to grips with the. I mean, the thing about Phantom Menace is because it is so dull, I know it's bad, but I can't be bothered to even work out why. It's that sort of thing where you know that it is crap and that there's loads of things that don't aren't very good, like the acting and the mm. characterisation. But he spells it out for you. Yeah. And I've got to say, Phantom Menace's only purpose in life now should be as a media studies what not to do mm. with film. It's it's like a it's like an example of, you know, what you shouldn't do. Yeah. So this seventy minute document uh, documentary is just basically this guy. It's really polished production. Mm-hmm. He, he talks. He, he, he does it as a his angle is as a serial killer, but that's a very slight, as a that's a very slight um, gimmick, really, because a lot of what. So he talks you went about, onto YouTube and searched for Phantom no, Menace. It was recommended to me by a friend. Oh, okay. Um, and because we were talking about the Phantom Menace and mm-hmm. how even today it still gets under the skin, 
and he said, "Oh, about this guy," and it's, it's, it's kind of a well-known thing because mm-hmm. it's had lots of hits, and it's 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 it encapsulates everything that's wrong with that film, yeah. and it, it even tells you about why the plot doesn't add up, mm-hmm. why things that you wouldn't have been bothered thinking about because it is so bad, yeah. which some poor guy has sat through with a pen and paper and thought it's and right. a spider diagram and a flow chart mm-hmm. to try and work out what exactly the film is about mm-hmm. and why it doesn't work. Um, one of the moments he, he, he is just, just to underline how clever this film is um, this little production is is he, 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 there are a few other fans mm. and he puts the question to them how would you without telling people who they are their character names yeah. and what they do but trying to convey their characters mm. how would you discuss how would you describe for example Han Solo yeah and you can use words like rogue mm-hmm. you know he's a good good heart but you yeah. know he's He's a, he's a bit greedy, and mm-hmm. you can use terms like that. And, yeah. th- and then, then they ask the same questions: How would you describe? I can't even remember his name; he's so unmemorable. <laughs> Liam Neeson's character, Key, Key Qui Gon, Qui Gon Jin. Yeah. How do you describe him? And the people re- sort of stare down the cameras, as if to say, "Good question." And you can't describe because mm. because they're, they're so two dimensional. There's nothing to him. Mm. And then Queen Amidala would throw everybody. He's like, "How would you even begin to?" You know, it's <laughs> like, you know. You cannot describe these people, yeah. and there's loads of examples about that. He tries to analyse the plot, and it's 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 worth watching because I think it's one of those things that that, that really it's the basics of storytelling mm. that that really George Lucas gets wrong, and um, I think it's it's one of those things that really if they release Phantom Menace again, mm-hmm. if they have to, this this thing should be on the second disc, right? Officially, as a <laughs> companion to the original film, because it kind of then justifies the film's existence, yeah. Because you can laugh at it and mm-hmm. sort of really say why it doesn't work yeah. and it's not, it goes beyond Jar Jar Binks there's mm-hmm. more to it than that yeah. there's plot elements that really do not make sense mm-hmm. and we're not talking of one or two that you can excuse but we yeah. are talking the fundamentals of storytelling and why George Lucas gets it so horribly wrong and why Star Wars could have been a lot worse mm-hmm. had George Lucas had mm-hmm. his way in back in 77, 76 so. of course this year was the year that it was announced that there will be another three Star Wars films through the old friends Disney yeah lovely old Big corporation, Disney. Um, I don't care, to be honest, because the franchise has already... The Star Wars franchise has already been ruined. It doesn't matter. Let Disney have a go. (laughs) They might as well let CITV have a go. In fairness, their track record is not bad, considering they also own Marvel. Mm. And one of my highlights of the year was the Avengers movie. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. So yeah, they've they've got their fingers in a lot of pies now. Yeah, um, this is another one. I think people are a bit sort of... The corporation taking over, which I do agree with. I think yeah. Disney are fundamentally a money-making organisation. I don't mm-hmm. really have that love for Disney because, again, I'm not built on nostalgia. As mm-hmm. you know, I'm 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 a I'm nostalgia-free robot drone. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. And um, <laughs> from the future, and I've sent back to try and remedy the mistakes of the past. <laughs> Um, I hope this podcast works, by the way. This is my plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very low-key way of doing it, but I hope it's going to work. Yeah, gonna... very low-key. Very low-key. But um, Very low-key. Um, sorry, Mark. <laughs> Someone had to tell you. No, you're joking. Um, but, yeah, um, with Disney, I mean, there was this quote that was a few months ago. There was this statement about... And it was this very management-speak statement that Disney issued mm. where they said, you know, we hope to... And it's, very, it's impenetrable, but essentially it was just saying that Disney... That Disney's prime concern, primary objective, mm. like the Terminator, I suppose, is is to monetize existing brands and to mm. they use the word monetize. So it's very fi- they are financially driven. They yeah. are there as all companies are to make mm. money. Mm. But there was a sense that their, their artistic integrity isn't as rich as it might be, mm. and there is that element to it. There's no question of that, and um, that's the beef I have. But then 
if the product is good, I mean, this is the thing. People sack off McDonald's, but I quite like fast food. <laughs> it does all right. It's okay. The, the, you know, the practices, ethics, etc. You can argue, but as a product, I like beef burgers. I'm fine with hamburgers. I don't mind that. Other people don't. You know, but anything, anything in excess is bad for you. Like Doctor Who, <laughs> like podcasts, like oh, so yes. So, do you not think this is a um, an opportunity for someone? I mean, I know Mr. Lucas will be still having some kind of control over. He's what got happens. artistic overall. Yeah, yeah, he has. But it's the opportunity for a new director, yeah. um, a different writer. There are rumours that um, the writer for um, Empire Strikes Back is involved. Mm. So that's encouraging. As I say, it can't get worse. I mean, what's happened in the past, those prequels really were, and The Phantom Menace in particular, was terrible. Mm. And it, it was one of the worst films of all time because it, cause the money, the expect. I think expectation is obviously a problem that fans have. Yeah. Like, if you expect too much, like with Christmas specials, you, mm. you risk being disappointed. But I do think, ultimately, that, that, that I think if it's a bad film, it's a bad film. Do you and think even if it was a... Um a near decent film it would still not be looked on very well because of the there was so much expectation before that film launched the the For hype some f- was unbelievable on that yeah there, there are some fans it's a bit like missing episodes with doctor mm. who i mean when team of the sidemen came back mm. there's all these fans who was who were saying how rubbish it was in reality mm. and they say oh you know it's but but when i imagine these stories i have a reality thing in my mind where i'm imagining them as black and white stories yeah. studio based bit tacky you know, I still love Team of the Side Men. I've got no problem with it. Yeah. A lot of the flaws that people recognise, when people say, oh, you know, it wasn't as good as I, remember, as I thought it would be when I listened to the audio, and all they do is get frozen back in their tombs at the end, and mm-hmm. isn't Tobin's character a bit racist and this kind of thing? I'm thinking, but that was there in the audio. Yeah. A lot of the flaws are there, but you choose not to acknowledge them. Now, when mm. I listen to audios, I always listen to them expecting there to be flaws. Yeah. So when we see Galaxy 4 next year, that episode, and the Underwater Menace, and any mm-hmm. other goodies that might, fingers crossed, exist... I'm always going to be watching them for what they are and yeah. not what my... My imagination's good, but it's, it, I don't let it run away with itself. Mm-hmm. And it, expectation is very important. Tonight's show really is about expectation because as, as, you know, it's yeah. the celebratory... Ex, the excitement of certain things, mm-hmm. really, and about how you've got to have... You've got to monitor those expectations and I think be realistic about it. And um, again, with, with missing episodes, with Christmas specials, with multi-doctor stories... Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to be. I don't expect them to, to 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 do to do what I expect them to do, because I live in a real world that doctors age and they die. You can't recapture the past. Um, things were made years ago and might not be as good in modern day standards, but still good in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 Christmas specials. You know, oh, I just wish I just wish that they were better done and not playing up to that expectation, which is which is what. I think scuppers a lot of what we have at the moment with Christmas specials. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to love them, but I can't. So, was there anything else left on your radar this year? I've been watching as well, and for people who aren't in this country who might not be too aware of it, but I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Okay. People, if we don't initiate it, it's people posited in a jungle that's suspiciously close to civilization, <laughs> but we won't argue about that. Colin Baker, of course, is in it. Um, I don't have a problem what with What was I, he in before? I don't know. He, he was Blank 70. He, That's right. Was, yeah, yeah, he played Babe yeah. in the Butcher. So, mm. you know, it was. I'm glad that people remember him for that, mm. which is, you know, that's how powerful he was. Yeah. And he was in Doctor Who, of course, as, as in Arkham Infinity. So, yes. Uh, yeah. That's another one he was Maxwell. in. So he did have a Doctor Who link there. Mm. Um, but he's in it this year, and 
I don't have a problem with I'm a celebrity. I mean, when we talk about nerdism, people people can be nerdists about nerdy about anything, and mm. the people who watch I'm a celebrity religiously, they are nerds in their own right, and mm. it has its own clique and its own terminology and its own way of doing things. I'm kind of fond of I'm a celebrity because it's not like other reality TV shows which force you to watch it every day, every minute mm. of every day, and, and ble- for me, it's 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 a game show. It's like it's a knockout. Yeah, it's just a modern day version of the old game shows. I'm not a sadist. I'm not watching people because I want to see them suffer. I'm, I'd mm. like to see them see how they cope in those situations. Yeah. I'm curious about how people work in a, in a kind of unreal unreality. You know, it's, it's an interesting concept. I don't mind the idea. Of, you know, I've watched the first couple of episodes just because mm. obviously he was involved and. Yeah. Uh, my main concern, really, with it is I feel a bit sorry for the animals that are involved. Yeah, there is that element, certainly, and I do watch some things when, you know, and I do think, can they get away with it? Mm. But, um, but I don't think you should be calling the celebrities animals, to be fair. <laughs> you know, I, I think they're people too, not even, Mark. Not they're even the lady too. that's an MP? I felt sorry. I mean, the thing is, is that people go in, you get the people who watch these shows, obviously it's, it's, it's an ITV show, it, it's... It, it, it's playing up the sort of game show aspect. It's a bit, it's sensationalist, really. Mm-hmm. It's very tabloidy. It's it's trying to appease people who want, you know, the vengeance on Varos, ex, uh, you know, thrills and spills, really. <laughs> which ironically, Colin Baker is now part of. Mm. Um, he's coming across very well, to be fair, Colin Baker, because he's himself. It's wonderful seeing someone who I say it's wonderful. It's it's weird seeing someone you you've known for years. I've met mm. him at a convention before, and. Right. Um, you know, you don't really get a chance to know someone, really. No. But to see someone, how they react with other people in a sort of situation where they're out of their comfort zone. Colin Baker, I, I think it's nice that Colin Baker, he has such a rough ride on Doctor Who, mm. that to have some kind of affection in the public's hearts yeah. many years after the event, yeah. I think it's nice that he's done this. I mean, when people say they're desperate, people who go into these shows are desperate to revive their careers. I don't mm. think that's true necessarily, because for someone like Colin Baker... He's just doing it because his daughters wanted him to do it. Yeah. And if it's open, it, he's, he's 69, mm-hmm. which which he's not there to revive his career. He's, he's got enough. He does big Finnish audios and stuff. Yeah. He doesn't need to do it There's for a bit that. bit of theatre work as well. A bit of pantomime, theatre work, plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, he doesn't need to sort of do this. So he's different to... Uh, not everybody who goes in there does it because they're washed up or whatever. And Conor Baker doesn't strike me as that. And he's in it just for the sheer for the crack of it you know mm-hmm. he's, he's and he's great and he does it for, for who he is and you can see that he's an, he's an, he's an honest bloke mm-hmm. and seeing someone who you've known for years but not known yeah it does make you wonder god I'd love to I wish they, they'd done if they want to celebrate Doctor Who in a multi-doctor way forget doing a TV special this will tie things up at the end of the podcast quite <laughs> nicely don't bother doing an anniversary special put all the surviving doctors and a few companions in a jungle for a week not you don't have to kill them or anything but just a week um, to see how they bond with each other, learn learn about them as real people, and not as the, and not don't try and put them into a drama dramatic setting. Mm-hmm. Just celebrate Doctor Who in an inventive way. You know, I'd like to see Peter Purvis, you know, talking to talking to William Russell over a log fire, and just being natural. And it'd be weird, and it would be wonderful. That's what we should be celebrating. Forget this special, Mark. Make it stop. <laughs> it's not going to be true. We'll always be, we'll always be questioning it. We're not going to be totally convinced by it. Why try? <laughs> Why not just have, you know, I mean, we've got Time Crash for Davison. We don't need to do any more. That was perfect Time Crash. We don't need to do any more of that. You know, that was fine. Let's just have them all in a, you know, have, have a nice bonding session televised that we can all get to know these people. It'll mean nothing to the wider public, but for me and you, Mark, it'll be terrific. It'll be terrific. <laughs> Let's do I'm a Doctor Who person, get me out of here for a week. It'll probably be a car park in 
in Kent. So it won't be quite as as, as glamorous. Glamorous. Mm. But I'd still watch it, and I would love that. That for me, that'd be more memorable and more sweet, and would capture. It would make me feel a lot more. Mm, that's nice. More so than any sort of horrible where they're all trying to squeeze into their outfits, prancing around a set, trying to pretend that there's somebody they're not, Mark. <laughs> somebody they're not. Yes. So. Well, if you want to pitch that to uh, a TV company, um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Real time pictures. They'll be gagging for a format. That'll be it. <laughs> they could do that. I'd watch it. I'd like to see. I think we should be celebrating Doctor Who in a different way, not trying to let, let don't let it impact on the show itself. And I think it'd be nice to celebrate Doctor Who in a different way. Okay. In a different way, Mark. It's different. I'll it's give different. you that. So I've been talking again, haven't I? Really? <laughs> I've talked quite a bit, haven't I? I didn't know half of what I was going to say before I said it. That's the beauty of broadcasting. <laughs> it's like it's like a production. Like a, it's like a proper production, like a radio production, but sort not. Mm. It's really quite liberating to talk talk whatever you like, and then realise that that actually you're kind of exploring yourself. And I realised what a what a reasonable person I am, <laughs> even about Christmas. Even if you say so yourself. Even if I say so myself. You're very modest as well. I have to say that. There are, I appreciate other people have other views, by the way. I'd just like to make that quite clear. And I'm talking from my, my perspective and why I'm talking from the fans' point of view who gets excited about lots of things. I, and I'm like, a, I, giggle, I giggle like a chimp at so much to do with Doctor Who, <laughs> really. But there are sometimes, I think people try and force certain things on Doctor Who which don't yeah. need to exist. I'm, I'm happy with the show just being good. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to have old Doctors or Santa Clauses or snowmen with fangs because that's what you're supposed to have at, at any given moment. Let it be natural, Mark. Natural. That's that's my mo- that's my motto for this sto- for this podcast. <laughs> that's my message: be natural, make it real. Don't live in a fantasy land of nostalgia and stupidity. That's, that's all I ask of you. So on mm. that bombshell, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I think we should wrap it up there. I think so. Well, thank yeah. you for listening, strange, mysterious people out there who are, who I'm, I'm equally mysterious, I suppose, to them, aren't I? You really? are. I you are. You're an enigma wrapped in a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, I just want to say Happy Christmas to all our listeners Happy Hanukkah and all the other Religious bits that are going on At this yeah. time of year But I'm going to I'm gonna elaborate on that Mark I'm going to say have a great December right? But also have a great rest of the year You know, I'm not going to say have a great Christmas And then I don't care what happens to you in January <laughs> Because I do I'd like to have a good rest of the year You know, have nice hot meals In January and February and March that maybe have some bread sauce as well. You know? <laughs> Treat yourself to some single cream in Feb. Go on, do it. Do it, people. And invite your family round at any time of the year. You know, let them all sit round and you can talk about stuff and you can you can fart and then laugh at those farts. You know, you can do that as a family. Be nice to one another. It doesn't matter. Be good to your fellow man. Don't save it up till December. Don't waste it on one day of the year. You know, why not be free? Why not be lovely? Why not be nice? Just don't adhere to this strict, you must be nice in December. It's very tedious of you and it's so predictable. Just stop it, won't you? Right, Peter's gone for a little bit of a lie down now because I think he's had a bit too much rich food and fizzy pop. So all that's left for me to say is a huge thank you to everyone who's participated this year. So that's J.R. Southall, Eric Stadnick, Lee Rawlings, Simon Brett, Matt Barber, Bill Linus, Eric Escamilla and of course Peter Webber. And I'd also like to say a huge thank you to everyone who's listened and we'll be back next year with some more podcasts.
about it and you've just got to do it. You're test recording, aren't you? Maybe. Maybe you are. Maybe I am. No Easter eggs here. No Easter eggs here. No, no. Not today. Don't have any of them there, Easter eggs. It's Christmas anyway, you can't have Easter eggs. Oh, I don't know what the equivalent of Christmas is. Dog eggs. (laughs) (laughs) There's a dog egg under the tree. Christmas bird? The other 50 pence in a Christmas cake, isn't it? That's like an Easter egg. Yeah. So yeah, the 50p piece. That's what this is. (laughs) Ah. <laughs>